Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to the Harrison Boone Podcast. Right, okay. Noni Boone. <laughs> Welcome to the Harrison Boone Podcast. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Pleasure. So, who is Noni Boone? Who is Noni Boone? That's a huge question. Huge question. I wear many hats. <laughs> <laughs> well... I suppose a wife, a mother, a horsewoman, a counsellor coach, a friend, a daughter, so it's many always, things. It's always weird, um, it's such an on-the-spot question when someone says, tell me about yourself, mm. and you're always like, what the fuck do I say? Mm. Like, it's here in moment, right? Mm. Um, and you're like, do people want to hear, you know, that I've, um, you know, jumped off a do people want to hear that you know I'm a, I'm a romantic do people mm. want to hear that I cry mm. in old movies sometimes mm. like mm. you never know exactly what people are fishing for when they say tell us about yourself and it's such a loaded question mm. um, but I guess I wanted to ask um, I guess I wanted to ask you about your growing up you know for people that don't know this is my mother Noni growing up I sort of saw you and dad is having you both had you both had careers you're both career people mm. you know dad was a um dad had a commercial construction business where he'd do sort of internal fit outs and office buildings and um you know my earliest memories of dad was sort of going to work and watching you know put your prop sheets up on walls and mm. screw things together and i sort of that was what i saw that was the blueprint for me as a man mm. And then for you, watching you, you were a, a career woman first and I sort of saw like a housewife second. Like mm. um, I saw you, you know, you got us ready for school, you took us to school, you know, you, you then you know, went home and, and did um, 
at different stages of your careers, but definitely like the ones I can remember where you, you, you know, you then, you know, you come home and um, you do like eight hours of graphic design and mm-hmm. pick us up from school and then you do mm-hmm. dinner and like you were sort of the, really the backbone of the household. So I saw dad as like the, um, no offense to that is, but like the, the breadwinner, mm-hmm. like the main income earner. And then I saw yeah. you as like the backbone of the household. And mm-hmm. um, I, I guess I got my, my ideas of what a healthy relationship dynamic were from watching traditional gender roles with my parents. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I always felt like I wanted to do something. I didn't, I loved being a mum and, but I wasn't a born mother in the sense that, um, that that's one of my really close archetypes. Like, I always try to explain it to people that women that are born mothers are the type of women that they foster kids or they bake for the, the, the school fate. They're in the canteen seven days a week. I'm they're just sure you they. I did, but and, and I did. Maybe you're a born mother. I did. If you're measuring born but mothers in school you, canteen, then you banned me from school canteen. Did I? Oh yeah, yeah. Because all my guy <laughs> friends used to tell me how hot my mum was, and it was so embarrassing, and the bullying got so bad that I was like, Mum, it's probably best you just stay home. <laughs> yeah. But do you I, look? I, I've kind of um, blocked that memory out. Completely. Oh, um, I still remember. I only tell my therapist about it now. <laughs> yeah. But were you wearing provocative clothing to the school? Like, where did this come from? No, no. Were you flirting with the boys? No. Like, I don't know where this came from. I All think, I, was think like... I was reasonably good looking when I was younger. <laughs> Absolutely, I struggled. It does I not take much either for school kids I to struggle these days. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I worked in the fitness industry, so I was always looked after myself, and and I suppose I, I presented quite well and humble brag. Yeah. So let's move on. So that was your early career, and then now you are basically a a life coach to people, mm. for people in need. Mm. You guide people. People come to you for guidance. What's the like latest thing you've been? Doing? I think it's all. I think everything that you do in life is it's like following a path. It's a journey, and they're all stepping stones that lead you ultimately to probably what you're best at. So for me, I started. People, what's wrong with them? <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, you go into counselling thinking that you're you've got your shit together and you're going to be so good at giving people advice, and then you realise that at three years, I'm working on all your shit because you're actually like in a really most counselling. You've got so much work to do on yourself right? initially, and then yeah. I think if they if they do the work, then they go out and they're then a clear vessel. But if right. they don't do the work, then they just spend their time projecting. Like I can remember girlfriends coming to me saying, oh, I went to a counsellor and she ended up flipping it and it was an hour of her telling me her problems. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, you, you're, not supposed to, you're not supposed to disclose really anything like about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's part of, part of what, what uh, it is to be a good counsellor. But so for me, I started when I was a young girl, I was 18, worked in the fitness industry, which is where I met your dad in the gym and I worked in advertising so that was my thing and then uh, unplanned you came into our world which was the best thing that so ever you, happened to you us. you met dad through the fitness industry? Yeah he was working in the gym and I was working in the gym and he he was the same gym. yeah 
he was um, he was kind of trying to work out what he wanted to do with his life. He ended up going into building after that. But I started working there as an aerobics instructor and he was working there full time as a fitness, as a personal trainer and right. doing fitness assessments. And we'd only just met because a friend of, at work knew him and said, oh, when you go to the gym, say hello to Steve Boone. And I'm like, oh, who's this Steve Boone guy? So I sort of went looking for who he was. And he were, I saw his name on the office door. So I knocked on the office door and he called me in. And I said, oh, I'm Noni, Noni Edis, I was at the time. And I'm here, I've just started working here teaching classes. And he goes, oh, come in. Have you ever had a fitness assessment? <laughs> and I was like, no, I haven't actually. So... He called me in and he's like all professional. He's got his chart, you know, he's writing down all the details and he's doing a body fat check. You know how they do that with the, what do they call those, the equipment that they use to actually pinch your fat? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Just, just anyway, he was just like, he was just like grabbing calipers. me. Calipers. Yeah. He was just like grabbing me all over the body with him. <laughs> and he just made me laugh. He just made me laugh from day one and I just was really smitten with him so uh then from then were you dating someone at the time i was i'd broken up with a with a boyfriend so oh, right yeah. so you were single when yeah you had that. okay yeah and then uh, you came into my world and uh and then mason came into my world and then and so i was 20 when i had you and then i was 24 when i had mason and then i i started asking the question what do i want to do with my life so that's when i studied graphic design and I had a, a corporate graphic design business for at least 10 years. And then I opened the Cafe Homewares store, yes. ran that for three years. And then after that, I studied holistic counselling, which was three years of working on myself. So you went from fitness instructing to graphic design yep. to running a, a cafe business yep. to then counselling. Yeah. And the reason why I, I said earlier that they're all stepping stones is that all of the, everything that I learned, like learning about the body, health, fitness, was because we're three dimensional, we're mind, body, soul. So I learned a lot about how to look after yourself, how to be fit, how to be healthy, because how you look after your body is really important. And when you're studying holistic counseling, you're looking at the whole person. So it was good for me to already have that background and already have that knowledge and have that established in my life. So then from there, the creativity of graphic design and, and being creative and learning how you can create your life, that you're not just a victim of circumstance, that you actually co-create your life with the universe and with whatever it is that your soul determines is going to be the best thing for you to do, to live your, live your best life. There's a lot of people that get wrapped up in the idea of being professional victims these days. Yeah, well, the victim is an archetype that we all have one of our primary archetypes and it's very easy to feel victimized and we all go through periods and challenges and struggles that make us feel like a victim the challenge for us is to become victorious which is to overcome and a lot of people get stuck in that they don't know how to and then they start to see themselves as the victim and then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where they just keep attracting more situations and circumstances and people that victimize them. Yeah, definitely, them. because they're looking for it. So their radar is always open to how can I be offended? How can I tell this person that they're crossing some sort of a boundary? Mm. How can I be the virtuous one and then be offended on behalf of other people? Mm. I see so many times people get online, and it's usually online. Mm. It's, it's, it's rare in real life to find people that will come up to you and 
you be having a conversation with one person, someone will come up to you and be like, hey, I heard you say this, that's offensive. Like, that just mm. doesn't really happen. But mm. what I see online is like people want to virtue signal mm. and then get offended on another group's behalf. Mm. Like, mm. Um, the biggest one I see these days is like if you call someone a retard or a spastic mm. or whatever it happens to be, mm. um, people come out and they're like, I'm offended that you use the R word. Like mm. you can't say, you can't call someone a retard these days. Mm. Um, if you were retarded, I would understand you being offended mm. and coming out and saying, hey, um, mm. you know, that offends me. Mm. Um, but if you're getting offended on behalf of someone else, it just doesn't make sense. And mm. the other thing as well is like, calling someone a retard is a slur. It's a, yeah. it's a you know, it's a put down. But yeah. so much great comedy as well where people mm. use slurs, mm. use put-downs. Like, it, it depends on the context. Mm. And, look, I've chosen a bad one there in the fact that, mm. you know, retard is, mm. like, there's not really any great context to use that word. But I just mm. feel like, as a mm. society, people are getting more and more sensitive, yeah. more and more professionally offended. Like, yeah. every little thing is like, now you can't say this, you can't say that. Yeah. Well, fuck that. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes someone does something and it's fucking retarded. Mm. Like... You can't think mm. of a better word at the time. You, mm. you know, you're expressing yourself. That's the word I use. Mm. You know, I mean, it, this this hasn't actually happened to me. Like, uh, I'm just saying, like, it just seems like there's a lot of people out there that look for things to be mm. offended by mm. when really there's not that much to be, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't mm. run that deep. Like, mm. people express themselves. I think I think if the word was, was rooted in, like, racist prejudice, like, the n-word is mm. i feel like that's got a much different content mm. you know connotation and mm. context to mm. it than mm. um mm. It, try to ban words just simply mm. because you're offended on behalf of someone else mm. Mm. yeah i hear what you're saying i think that society goes through a lot of changes and every mm. generation is different and i think if i look back to say for example my grandparents generation people were a lot more stoic back then people Particularly in we're on the back of a fucking world war. Like our generation, they're tougher. Our they're just tougher. They, yeah, they, they weren't tougher. easily offended. Well, they were raised by baby boomers, mm. and then you know those people were raised by you know World War Two mm. survivors, mm. right? Mm. So those that that generation of people grew up with absolutely nothing. Well, it's become soft. Yeah. We've become very yeah. soft. But and see, in some ways, weak. Our generation, uh, it's really really weird because. Our generation has lived through something like 13 wars, mm. fought in the Middle East, mm. obviously for, for well, in, in my opinion, for quite corrupt mm. uh, political mm. agendas. Mm. But one thing I'll say is our generation haven't like had to deal with the notion of mm. a massive draft mm. or conscription, mm. right? We haven't had to deal with the possibility of going to war. Mm. Our generation hasn't really had to think like, well, fuck, I've got to toughen up because mm. I might have to go and defend my life mm. for my country. Mm. Those people did have that to deal with. Mm. 100% had that mm. to deal with. Mm. It was World War II, Korea, Vietnam. They had all of these wars where they could possibly be called up to action. Mm. Our generation, the average man on the street, right, I look at and think there is absolutely no fucking way I'd put a gun in your hand and send you overseas or, mm. or even to fight in this country. Mm. It'd be embarrassing. Mm. Half the mm. men out there would be like, oh, I'm offended that there's a war going on. Mm. Like it's mm. it's honestly get get into mm. the stage where mm. I feel like there's now a pushback in the other direction where like mm. 
And it happened, I saw it in the 80s, where there was this hype, like push towards hyper masculinity. Mm. That's why, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm. Dolph Lundgren, mm. Um, mm. you know, Sylvester Stallone, mm. all these jacked yeah. dudes, like, out of yeah. their eyeballs on steroids. Yeah. That was really, like, pushing back on, you know, late, late sort of second wave feminism coming out of Vietnam. Yeah. Then we went into, like, the 80s, where it was, like, all these super jacked dudes, and it was, like, it was, like, a pushback on, mm. you know, that sort of stuff. And I feel like these days, you know, the, the most successful actor in Hollywood now is Chris Hemsworth, mm. this big jacked, you know, six foot mm. two Australian guy. Mm. And it, and, or Henry Cavill, like mm. another big guy. And I just feel like the reason these guys are being idolised and emulated is because they epitomise what it is to be an alpha male. Mm. Mm. And then in society, a lot of... It's just, all of this softness and political correctness... Mm. It's like there has to be, a, like, if you go on too far left, someone from the very right will come out, right? That's just the way that it works. There's always some sort of, and I feel like the left have created mm. characters like Andrew Tate, mm. who now is famous for saying such, like, overly yeah. conservative values, yeah. like owning women and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And that's a direct result of a society that's going too far left. Yeah. Do they always be extremes. Yeah, but that, okay. but Andrew Tate is a byproduct of mm. leftist feminism. A hundred percent. There's no other way. Like the guy would, if if society was was sort of more like, yeah, okay, I'll put it this way. Even if you gave social media 30, 40, 50 years ago, I don't think Andrew Tate would be famous because mm. what he's saying is like kind of like mm. outlandish. Mm. Most people just think he's an idiot back then. Mm. Nowadays, people are so offended by him mm. that they're actually giving him a platform. Not all people are offended by him, though. That's the scary thing. Is I yeah. feel like some of his stuff is quite dangerous, mm. and then the people that he's not offending, I'm mm. worried. I'm more worried about mm. because there's also like, and that's the thing: the weaker people mm. in our society mm. are actually like more susceptible to dangerous ideas. Mm. I find. Um, when I talk to like, when I talk to guys that I respect mm. and that I look up to, mm. or whose opinions I value, mm. they're not they're not getting their opinions from Andrew Tate mm. and guys like that. They're more shooting down the middle of you know conservative values, wanting like a a conventional relationship with a woman, um, traditional gender roles, that sort of thing. They don't really buy into these ideas of like these super leftist kind of, um, you know, fluid genders and, um, yeah, just this these ridiculous things that society keeps bringing up as, like, these total non-issues mm. that people are trying to make an issue out of. Mm. Like, and I just I just think that, like, as I'm saying, like, that the Andrew Tates of the world are, are going to rise the more society pushes left. Yeah. Guys from the super right, like, yeah. him, are going to come out. Like the pendulum. It's exactly right. right. It's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So what's the answer? Like, you know, do we shoot down the middle? What does Andrew Tate really stand for? I mean, I, I've only seen a few snippets of him. And some of the um, things that I've heard him say, I've, I've been in agreement with. But then I, I don't, I can't say that I've heard enough of him to really have a, a valid opinion on his view of life or what he's promoting. Well, the funny thing is, um, I'd never even heard of him until mm. I went on to the set of Mass. Yeah, and I remember. Monty was complaining to me about him. Yeah. And I'd never even, I didn't even know who Andrew Tate was. Yeah. And she's like, you know, do you do this to Andrew Tate? Yeah, okay. You know, all this sort of stuff. Okay. And I'm like, 
no one. Who is that? And yeah. she goes, um, she goes, um, anyone, any male that listens to Andrew Tate's instant red flag and all this sort of stuff. And okay. Kind of got me curious. And, yeah. Um, so you looked into it. Yeah, I just started listening to it. And like, like some of his stuff, some of his stuff I'll agree, the more milder stuff. Yeah. Is very easy to digest. Yeah. When you listen to it. Yeah. Um, his views on, you know, working on yourself, being an alpha male, you know, um, taking care of business, you know, um, having something to stand for, like those things mm. are very easy to, to, mm. to digest. Mm. Very similar to like Jordan Peterson's principles, yes. right? Yeah. Some of the things he said, I, I could not disagree with more, mm. you know, mm. in terms of um, like his views on women and things mm. like that. Mm. I just think some of the things that comes out of his mouth are a bit, a bit quite, like they're just... Yeah, they're, they're, they're designed to incite some sort of an inflammatory response from okay. people. Okay. Like he's a, a trying to be a bit of a shock job. Okay. And I just feel like it's yeah. a cheap way of doing it. Like have a yeah. positive message rather than, mm. you know, you know, calling women mm. bitches this and bitches that okay. and all sort of stuff. It's okay. just not. It's not so he does that. He does yeah. that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, We've gone very far. The one, the one thing that I did hear him and see a little um, skit that he did, which I thought was really accurate, was he spoke about how money buys you, buys you privilege. And he was talking about flying on planes and mm. how when he goes on his private jet, he doesn't have to wear a mask and none of the crew wear masks. But if you go onto a commercial aircraft, you're forced to wear a mask. And abide by the so rules, it's like yeah. different rules for... For the the elite, elite. Yeah. compared to, and, I, and I've only heard that and I thought, well, he's actually speaking out about something that's really quite important for all of us to take note of, that why should there be different rules, one for the other? I still see people driving around with COVID-type masks or surgical masks on in their car. Well, that was another thing I was going to say to you as well about masculinity, and we've had this conversation before about that. Mm. And I think that... The fact that our men, from a woman's point of view, looking at our men in society and seeing them walking around with masks on for three years, afraid of catching a bad cold, has really not done anything favourable for masculinity. I think it's I yeah. think it's emasculated men. I didn't see any um, anything virtuous about wearing a muzzle, a cloth muzzle, around. Not when it's proven that it doesn't stop the spread of an it airborne. Stop the spread. Exactly. It stop the spread. So it was. The, it, it was a control it, it was, thing. It was. Um, it controlled designed, It was designed men. to slow the spread, mm. which it didn't have any scientific. Yeah, that's proof right. Of doing. And in fact, it actually caused harm. Well, see that that people, you know, people would go, oh, you know, public transport. Well, what about when people get off public transport? They go into a busy food court and they take their mask off to eat, mm. and they're breathing the same air as everyone else. Or when someone, yeah. like the thing is, you, like one cough mm. when someone's eating or drinking or whatever mm. it happened to be that had COVID, that was COVID positive, mm. one cough would mm. send those spores of spit mm. like tens mm. of feet into the air, mm. right? To mm. be breathed in by every, like those masks don't stop every mm. bit of vaporous mm. breath, mm. right? And the science was clear on the fact that those masks did not stop the spread because you could be wearing a mask on your mouth. But those, those droplets from that cough go in your eyes, mm. you know, sit on your skin. Mm. Like, it's just the notion that we ever stopped COVID with mm. that, this useless vaccine, 
Yeah. And these dumbass masks mm. is ridiculous. Mm. And the mm. people that still buy into this shit mm. are, are quite often very mm. easily led by the media. Yeah. They're the same people that think maths was real. Mm. Mm. Like the same people. Well, the, the television is just a brainwashing device. You know what's funny? Um, I'll, be t- I'll be like having a say online or I'll read a comment online or I'll, I'll have mm. a discussion with someone online or whatever. Mm. And the, the women, it's usually women, it's 90 I'd say 99% women that actually have been doing the online bullying from mm. what I've seen, mm. uh, which was really sad to see because mm. women are almost the ones doing the most virtue signaling online yeah. and yet they're the ones partaking in the majority of the cyberbullying that I saw from against myself, other mm. contestants. Mm. You know, it, it blew my mind mm. to see the amount of women out there willing mm. to engage in cyberbullying and harassment of people like mm. i'm not talking about one comment i'm talking about like multiple comments sending me a, an abusive message like all of the cast talk to all of the cast right and i'm in a group chat with 90 percent of the guys from mm. this year mm. and we will sometimes share abusive messages we get from people yeah and it's disgusting yeah and it's always women mm. always women mm. i was blown out by i've that. had a few from men but the, then I click on the profile and like the photo, the first photo that comes up is like a, the the Facebook where you can set your Facebook profile photo and it's like a and photo a of them. Or a no, cat. no, it's a photo of them. I get a lot of cats. Yeah. Um, they're out there. Um, <laughs> cats do have online profiles too. Cat um, no, no, it'll be like a photo of their profile photo, but then they've set like the Facebook border that you can select in the oh, thing. Yeah. And it says like, I'm vaccinated, you're welcome. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, isn't that, isn't like, that gone now? Like, no, surely, no, people love it. That did the it's rounds, but I thought it's gone. I thought it'd be gone no, now. People, people wear that shit like it's Haven't people life. moved on to saving the environment? Climate change? No, no, no. They, they only move on to where the media tells well, them to Well, it's climate change. Yeah. That's, uh, the, climate that's change, the new COVID, yeah. Um, global cooling or global warming? I can't keep up with it. Yeah, yeah, no. It's global warming. It's like 11 degrees. Yeah. And what month are we in? April. <laughs> right. Know. It's 11 degrees in April. I know. I know. Well, climate right. change, yeah. There's, I mean, you can listen no, to the, you May, can listen to the professors May. that aren't saying. April or May? I'm We're, in May. We're in May. We're in May. Like fifth month, right? It's Mother's Day. Yeah, it is Mother's yeah, Day. Yeah, you should know that. Um, speaking of which, I've got something for you. <laughs> and he leaves the podcast <laughs> to go and get something for me. <laughs> It is Mother's Day, and I haven't forgotten, and I did. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank so you. So, I do remember. But one thing I'm saying is um, we're, in, oh. we're in May, yeah. and um, it's 11 degrees. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I want global warming to kick in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing everything I can. Doing burnouts in the coals of car park, throwing car batteries into the ocean. Yeah. I'm doing everything I can to bring this to I think the problem that we have with the world is pollution. Yes. And, big, a, and big corporations. There's a fucking dumb... Um, yeah. there's, a, there's a trash thing the size of Texas in mm. the ocean. Mm. Killing all this we need We need to be addressing that. I, I don't, I'm so that. sick and tired of people being like, you know, you should, you should drink out of a mushy paper straw mm. and drive an electric vehicle when fucking BP... Tipped like a hundred billion barrels of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. Well, the people telling us they've done more environmental yeah. damage than I'll ever do in my entire lifetime. Even if I like flew around every day via a commercial mm. airliner, mm. 
Well, the people telling us to have a cold shower fly to Davos <laughs> in their private jets. Oh, they fly, yeah. they fly to like Nür- um, Nuremberg mm. or whatever and mm. like have like these climate committee meetings. Once you realise how the world's run, yeah, then yeah, it's, yeah. it's very, very hard the, the, the to... The notion that we should yeah. live with less so they can have more, more correct. is absurd yeah. to me. Well, they've got trillions of dollars. Look no. at the Rothschilds family. Yeah, well, they own trillions, they trillions, own media, yeah. trillions of dollars. They own everything. Yeah. yeah. So you you've sort of come to a realization you, that we are ants. We're peasants. You going to boost juice and mm. drinking your juice with a paper straw mm-hmm. is exactly what's going to save the environment. Mm. Mm. Don't let the mm. elites fool you. Mm. Mm. Don't do it. Mm. Paper straws. <laughs> Yeah, recyclable yep. bags of coals. That's the yep. shit that's going to turn this mess around. Yeah, yeah. and honestly, not, like, not the elites being held accountable for the fact that they've been. Raising it's really hard to try to solve all the problems of the world and everything packaged in plastic and the way that we live is not good. We're doing it today in this podcast. Yeah. We need to. We need to definitely, all of us need to contribute to looking after the planet in a better way, and we can all do more. But I think that there's a lot of ideas that are held back because it doesn't make money for the people who are concerned with making money. Some people are just born greedy. They're just, they're, they're power hungry. They just, billions is not enough. They want trillions. They want control. They want to, they, they feel superior to us and they want to control us and they have ways of doing it. And their ways of doing it are, are definitely not holding our best interest at heart. And when you realise that, I mean, it's archetypal. It's been, it's happened since the beginning of time. There's always royalty. There's kings and queens, and then there's peasants, and they they don't want anything in between. So the ruling class has always been there. So speaking of ruling class, um, back onto our family because I feel like we started off um, talking about who knows. We always go off on tangents, don't we? And then yeah, we've ended up in like geopolitical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like saving the world. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to ask you, so you met Dad at the gym, you've had three kids. Yeah. Um, did you decide to raise them all as narcissists or just the <laughs> eldest? Just you? Yeah, just the eldest. Um, I think, like, when you were born, I definitely had some... I had, I had did some... Did I come out with a silver spoon in my mouth? I had some parenting goals. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Yeah. It was definitely to try to steer you towards being a narcissist, a gaslighter, mm. and and a giant red flag. Really? Mission accomplished. Yeah. 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 No. Okay, that's all we Definitely time not. For, <laughs> 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 that's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. Definitely look, it's interesting because this this whole this whole labeling thing is is something that people are very um, excited about doing. But I've studied psychology, and in order to have a personality disorder, you 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 basically can't really function in society, and you need professional help. You function in society. You've you've never needed professional help. Although well, in saying that, you, we you have argue, we have done. You could argue about that professional help. Well, you've done some counselling. You've done some work on yourself. Yeah, we've done family counselling. You know, we we've all looked at ourselves. In order for me to to get my diploma as a as a counsellor, I had to work on myself for three years. 
and I worked with the, the best of the best, do you think that they were going to give me a diploma and say, now you can go out and help people if I was a narcissist? Don't you think I would have actually failed? Or raised a narcissist. Wouldn't I have failed? Uh, yeah. I think the, the, the best one for me is, um, like, one of my best mates, Paul, is a psychologist. Mm. You're a psych... You know, you're, you're a... Um, Counselor. Counselor, yeah, who studied psychology. Mm. Uh, I didn't want to say psychology because mm. the, the terms are... They're different, cool. yeah. yeah. Um, so, two important people in my life have actual degrees to do with psychology, mm. right? One, one's, Paul's job is to assess people mm. with, with disorders, mm. with behavioural mental disorders. That is his full-time job, right? Yeah. And I have asked him point blank, no bullshit. I said, like, I want your professional opinion. I know it's a conflict of interest for you to really assess me, mm. but I want your mm. professional opinion. Mm. Would you consider mm. me a narcissist, mm. right? And he went through, there's like seven or eight um, behavioral disorders you have to meet in order to be qualifying to, to be a narcissist. Mm. I think there's like one is like a, um, a very high opinion of yourself. Um, there's other ones to do with uh, how like you empathy. Yeah, how you interact mm. in society, like other people, how you mm. do other, like, um, and, and like to keep in mind, like, I think that's like about 5% of the entire population is actual narcissists. Mm. Like it's a very low number. Mm. And, and he said to me, he's like, you don't meet the requirements for mm. narcissism. Mm. And that's the beautiful thing about Married at First Sight. Mm. Charles and where all of this has sort of started is the fact that the people saw a very small snippet of a very negative side of my behavior. Mm based on the environment I was in, the person I was yeah. matched with, and the fact that producers were egging all of this on. Like, yeah. you, you, re, you you kind of drop your guard a bit and you go, okay, I'm not a TV show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have fun with this mm. in, in, and not, not fake anything, that's not the impression I'm trying to paint, but mm. I'm saying that you're going to, okay, like, if, if Claire's going to come at me, I'm going to fucking snap back, mm. right? Like, mm. I'm not going to hold back. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really drop my guard and, like, give this my all. Because I'm not going to get this opportunity again, um, you know, and you, you don't know how the edit's going to go either as yeah. well when all this is happening. Yeah. And so the parts of the show that we see definitely look narcissistic. Like, mm. I have to admit that. Mm. Like, mm. you know, and, and people want accountability. Well, that's, that's my accountability is mm. I see where people are coming from. Mm. But the, the hardest thing for me to overcome is simply talking about the edit, and that is mm. that... There is a lot that you didn't see. There is a lot of context there. If you see three minutes of a conversation that might have taken place over four hours, mm. right? Mm. I guarantee you are not getting the full picture. And I can take anyone off the street, mm. poke and prod them for four hours, and just show the three minutes where they snap back. And that would oh. look narcissistic. Of course. Aggressive. Of course. You know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So yeah. I think... Yeah. Um, I think it just goes hand in hand with how easy the media is to play the, yeah. viewing, the viewing public. Yeah. And the viewing public don't fucking care mm. to use their critical mm. thinking skills. Mm. Most people out there are employed, mm. right? Mm. It's something like 10% of the population are entrepreneurs. 90% mm. of people mm. are like employed, employees. Mm. They don't get paid to use critical thinking skills in their job. Mm. They get paid to, to provide mm. a good... A, a, a service. A, a, a service, or, like... Yeah. A, you know, they get, pride, they get paid to provide yep. labor or yep. some sort of exchange yep. for that, yep. you know, for that, for that, for that money. And then they come home and they don't, they want to watch trash TV and not have mm. to think. Mm. 
You know what I mean? Not and they feel pain. better about themselves if they can look at you on the screen and think that you're a dickhead. They mm. feel better about themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's I, what I that's what that. projection is. That's I what get that. that's what being judgmental. I is. totally get that. Yeah. The the network knows if yeah. they give the people mm. someone to mm. throw stones at mm. through their television mm. and get them passionate and fired up. Mm. Exactly the same way that we do with professional sports. Mm. They're going to tune in next week. Mm. Right, mm. and that's why they only showed the parts of my relationship and my behaviour yeah. that were, for lack of a better word, negative yeah. and narcissistic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But does that does that make me a narcissist? Of course not. Correct. Yeah. But people want to cling to that opinion because it's popular. Maybe. Again, they don't want to use. They don't want any pushback. They don't want to use their critical. Maybe it's stuff. accurate to say that those edited snippets of your character on that show fitted into some narcissistic criteria is probably what you could say. Correct. But then, see, the criteria is only known to people that would open a textbook on mm, the disorder of narcissistic behaviour disorder, right? And yeah, most exactly. people have never even read the literature, so they wouldn't know what they're even looking for. So when they use words like narcissist and gaslighting and all that sort of stuff, they're just using popular phrases mm. from the television show. Mm. They don't actually know what they mean. Mm. Bronte didn't even know what gaslighting was. Mm. I heard on a podcast recently that Bronte did, Bronte had to explain to me what gaslighting was or I heard on a show or some shit like that. That is so ridiculous. Yeah. We sat down. Mm. I know what gaslighting means. Mm. We sat down, right, and I was explaining to Bronte that she's been gaslighting me, mm. right, and she apologised. None of this ever made it to Yep. This was when she went to Caitlin. I don't know. I think I told you about this. Yeah. Where she went to Caitlin, said all these lies, said that I called her unattractive and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And I explained to Bronte, I said, that's gaslighting. You saying I've called you unattractive is gaslighting. Mm. I said, I'm not attracted to you at that point in time. Mm. Who I'm attracted to is completely subjective to me. Mm. Your level of attractiveness is completely subjective to everyone. Mm. People either going to find you attractive or not, mm. right? But that's their personal subjective choice, especially based on where we're at. Like I, I told you everything that would happen through the honeymoon. Yeah. And I said, especially on based on where we're at right now, I don't find you attractive. Mm. I don't want to jump into mm. bed with you. Mm. I don't want to be around you. Like mm. you're the last person I want to be around right now. Mm. Right? So why would I find you attractive if I don't want to be around you? Well, that's right. And I, I explained to her that there is a huge difference yeah. between saying, I'm not attracted to you right now. Or you're unattractive. You're unattractive. Yeah. Or you're ugly. Yeah, that's for right. Word, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, so twisting my words yeah. is gaslighting me. Yeah. Making and, you question your reality. Goes, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? And I said, what, okay, Bronte, what do you think gaslighting is? Mm. And she looked me dead in the eye and she goes, it's when someone doesn't validate your emotions. Mm. Those were the words she used, mm. word for word, verbatim. Mm. Mm. And I said, no, Bronte, why not? I was like, no, gaslighting is when you make someone question reality mm. by changing facts, mm. changing words, mm. changing statements. Mm. That is mm. that is gaslighting someone. That's mm. textbook gaslighting someone. Mm. Making someone question what actually happened. And then in the same podcast, Bronte has made up entire conversations that never happened. Like, just, just the most ridiculous claims. Mm. Mm. And the, the best part of it is no one's listening to it. No one can stand her anymore. Mm. She's lost all credibility. Mm. The voice notes was one thing. 
Mm. Right? But since then, she's gone on to say that I was violent, mm. that I would come home drunk and get hands into her. Mm. Like all this sort of absolutely absurd bullshit. And the best thing is, someone's given her a platform to open her mouth and do that. Mm. Like, seeing Monty yeah. unedited is actually the best argument I'm ever going to have into why my relationship was fucked. Mm. Just watch her. Mm. Like, listen to her unedited. Mm. Like, I encourage people to go and listen to that shit. It's yeah. absolute trash, for one. And the second thing is, she can't make a statement one minute and then can, she just completely contradicts herself the next. Mm. Mm. Like, I was listening to her speak and she was saying that I, like, she felt threatened by me or whatever it happened to be. Again, mm. an absurd lie, mm. saying that I would come home and slam doors or throw a pillow or some shit. And then in the next minute, she's talking about how something to do with her raindrop app, um, if she didn't listen to it, she was going to punch me. Right? I'm like, so, so one minute you're afraid of me and the next minute you're threatening me with physical violence? Mm. Like, just the whole, the whole, she's done like a whole series of these podcasts. Yeah. And every single one of them is a huge contradiction to the next. Mm. Like, she can't make a single coherent point. I think the whole, just the whole thing is toxic. You know, and I yes. mean, you know but that why why it was toxic is because I was matched with a compulsive liar mm. who entered into a fake relationship with me mm. in order to build a platform for herself, mm. and has since right. So she she did that on the show, and then since leaving the show, she's done that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just give you some examples of the claims she's made. She's she's claimed that I got hands in with her when mm. I was drunk. She's claimed that I was violent and intimidated her. Mm. Um, she's claimed that I gaslit her. Mm. She's claimed that I, uh, based on something you said to me on day three of our honeymoon, mm. she's claimed that I, I was in a fake relationship with her. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, one of the thi- one of the things that's come up, that came up on the show, obviously, and it's come up since, was, um, and I wanted to hear it from you, you know, straight from the horse's yeah, mouth. Yeah, sure. Um, there was a comment made, and, and again, I'll, I'll let you tell the story, but I, I basically called you on day three of the honeymoon, mm. right? Mm. And it was like on the back of an argument or stuff, like we just were not getting along. Mm. And the conversation had sort of got to a point where you were starting to give me advice, mm. right? And I want to now hand it over to you. Do you remember what you said? Well, we spoke about so many things, and I think um, when you went into this, you reached out and said that you will probably, it'll be tough, it'll be hard, that, you know, going into an experiment in itself is is a challenging thing to do regardless, and that there'll be times when you'll probably reach out to me for advice or guidance or just wisdom, just for the simple fact that I think sometimes you look to me for that because I'm your mum on one hand, but also because of my my counselling experience on the other. So I think um, I was anticipating that that you would reach out to me for various different things at various different times. I remember, would it be beneficial if I just explain 
Well, the direct the, quote. The relationship from my perspective, what I've, yeah, what well, I witnessed, and what I saw. The, we can get to the what you saw and, and that because I think that's valuable. Yeah. But the quote, the quote in question was, um, "You said give Australia a love story." Yeah. And I wanted to get what? Well, how did you intend that comment, and what was the context of why you said it? Yeah. Okay. So for me. That comment came from because I'm I'm always going to even when I do couples counselling, and it was interesting because I was I was counselling um, a couple I'm counselling a couple at the moment, and I counselled the the male and he said to me my wife's going to think that you are taking my side because sometimes I'll do her then I'll do him then I'll do them together because I want to hear her perspective I want to hear his perspective and then I bring them together. And I said to him, I don't take sides of the male or the female. I'm on the side of the relationship. Wow. So for me, I'm always going to be nurturing and trying to empower the relationship because I see it as a separate entity. I see that there's the two people and their entities and then the relationship is a separate entity. And, and we're all working on making the relationship healthy and the best that it can possibly be. So that's where I would have been coming from with you and Bronte was I'm here to help for your relationship to be good because we want that to survive, right? You've gone into an experiment. You've given up your life in a sense. You've given up your job. It's costing you a lot of money to be there. You've invested in it. You went into it hoping that you'd meet somebody really good. So, of course, I'm going to be cheering and I'm going to be doing everything that I can to encourage you to give it your all. And another thing that I've always said is that you have to earn your way out of a relationship. And that means that you've done everything within your power to make that relationship work. You've sat, you've talked, you've done counselling, you've, you've looked into yourself, you've taken responsibility, accountability, You've done everything that you possibly can before quitting on it. And I always come from that place of, have you done everything? Have you earned your way out? And that's something that uh, otherwise I wouldn't have been married for 33 years. I would have quit many times over. So I would have been coming from that place. And when I said, give Australia a love story, if I use those words, I don't know, I can't remember, it would have been... You two are in an experiment that Australia's watching. Make it work. Right. You know, you two, make it work. Like I would say to any couple in any relationship, make it work. Were you insinuating that we should fake anything? No. No, because I was at the wedding and I saw the chemistry and I saw the way that you two looked at each other and I saw the potential. I met her family. I really liked Bronte. I still like Bronte. I have nothing against Bronte. Mm. I don't have... I don't yeah, have anything I, I, against anybody in my I life. Anything, I don't have anything against her per se. I just wish she'd stop lying about me and our relationship. People just people just behave badly, you know, but it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Quite often people behave badly and it's coming from a place of insecurity or it's coming from a, an attention-seeking perspective. Definitely whatever not. Whatever is the underlying issue that causes people to behave badly doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad person. So I don't have I don't have that judgment. I just don't see her as gaining anything there. It crosses a line sometimes Mm. when it actually and it and it crosses a line if they're accusing you of something that you haven't done. Correct. That could that could be an issue with right. 
Okay. So I don't, I don't have an issue with like I, I'm I'm much happier. She's I hope that she's happier wherever she is. I wish her all the best. Um, one thing I've never done is lie about a relationship. Like everything that happened in the relationship, mm. everything that happened on the show, and since I'm not I'm not the one out there lying mm. and misrepresenting it. Like mm. yeah, we had a shit time. We had some good times. We had some really terrible yeah, times. Yeah. She put me through an awful lot. Yeah. And and I never quite knew why. I was mm. always like distrusting of Bronte. Yeah, you were straight and up. The pen dropped the moment I heard those voice notes. Yeah. That was the that was yeah. the come to Jesus moment. That was like yeah. the that was the curtains, everything fell down. Yeah. And I was like, I get it now. You were faking it the whole time. Everything in that relationship you were faking. You were pretending to be genuine and pretending to be invested, but you weren't. How could anyone be genuinely invested in a relationship where they had ulterior motives mm. where they knew dirt on someone mm. and were using it against them the entire time mm. how could anyone make mm. that relationship work mm. she betrayed him the minute we got in that experiment mm. and then even when she was falling for him she never came clean yeah right and now she's trying to pretend like she was genuine and all of that was just a, oh, you know, I, I, that was weeks before the wedding when I just forgot the moment I walked down the aisle and yeah. the game plan went out the window and, oh, you know, I just got overwhelmed and mm. she cut the shit out. You fucking played me. You, you lied, you manipulated me, and you played me. And the reason I'm behaving the way I am is because I'm with someone that's faking this relationship, mm. putting me through the absolute meat grinder to create a platform for themselves and when you didn't get it on the show, Bronte, you've then gone into the world and tried to get it in other avenues mm. by lying about me, our relationship, things that never even happened. Mm. The one thing I found interesting on the same platform, Sophie did a, a podcast mm. and said I was never violent, never intimidated her. Mm. No matter how hard the podcaster was trying to push Sophie in that yeah. direction, she never gave that. She was all she, like, that's the one thing that I respect about that podcast with Sophie is that she said, I would never violate. She was honest, yeah. yeah she was honest about that. Mm. Look, she was dishonest, dishonest about, about things. Other things. She yeah. was dishonest about our child support and things like that. Like, I've got a real issue with that because I do care about the truth in those matters. Yeah. And the thing is, like, you know the truth. You've seen all of those screenshots. You know exactly what happened between me and Sophie. In fact, you probably know more about my relationships than anyone ever. Mm. And that's because you are the guiding light in my life. Mm. You are the most experienced, you are the most level-headed, and you are the most wisdomous person mm. I know. Mm. So why wouldn't I try and exploit that relationship in order to get the best out of it for myself, who I'm with? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's not... A, Maybe exploit's not the right word, but I mean, I, I want to gain benefit your knowledge. From it, yeah. yeah, benefit. I want to benefit from our mutual relationship, right? Mm. And so when I hit a snag, I come to you and I'm like, this is what's happening. Yeah. And you know full well my original agreement with Sophie and mm. how she backed on everything. Mm. The whole reason I went to court with Sophie was because she wasn't sticking to anything that we agreed to. Yeah. Child support included. Mm. Like, the whole thing mm. was, I wanted to do the right thing by her and August. Yeah. The only person that ever got in the middle of that was Sophie. Ever. Mm. How many times have I called you and said, it was Sophie's turn to do the driving and she won't do it? Yeah. How many times yeah. over the last two years would you say I've called you about that? Mm. 
Yeah, a lot. Look, I think the thing is, though, like with all relationships that are um, in conflict and ongoing conflict, it's just, it's always ugly, unfortunately. It's always ugly. How many times in my relationship with Bronte did I call you and say, I don't trust her and I can't put my finger on why? Yeah, a lot. A lot. Yeah. When you heard those voice notes, what did you think? Well, it explained a lot because I think the thing was, as I said, like at the wedding, um, the two of you definitely had chemistry mm. and um, well, and everybody was excited for you. Yeah. Her friends, myself, your friends, everybody was quite excited and we were all cheering. And then you went on the honeymoon and the whole um, 21-year-old girl thing came up. And it's like that just became a sticking point. And I think... All, all is the Bronte... Just quickly, is the 21-year-old girl Gina? No. Right. She's okay. not 21. No. But I think... You keep saying that she is. No. So I think the thing Was is... Was like... ever part of my relationship issues with Bronte? No. Thank you. So I think the thing is that um, if all that Bronte had to do to actually have a, a valid chance with you, in my opinion, was trust you. She just needed to trust you from day one. Like when you said this 21-year-old girl is nothing in the sense that it's it's not an ongoing thing, all she had to do was trust you that you were telling the truth because you were telling the truth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Bronte here and say I feel like she did. On you feel wedding, like she did trust I, you? I feel like she did. On the wedding night, she said, look, I'm choosing to trust you. But you said she kept okay. making a bigger deal out of it, like milking I'll, I'll it. I'll get to that. Okay. I'll get to that. So okay. on the wedding night, she, uh, that's why I'm defending her. Okay. On the wedding night, she said to me, I'm choosing to trust you. I'm going to okay. behind us. Yep. Right? Yep. And then we worked at our hotel room. Mm. We cuddled all night. Like, mm. This is when I first heard about this raindrop out and I had the worst night's sleep in my life. Um, the next day we were up early to go to the to go to the Hunter Valley. Right? <laughs> you telling me it sounded like sleeping through like a thunderstorm, oh, like, a, like a bloody like a thunderstorm, like a in, tornado. I've like, slept through a couple of really bad storms up in up in Noosa, and mm. uh, it was mm. actually the raindrop app was worse. <laughs> yeah. um, one thing because <laughs> it's like it's like not it's a calming sound but it's blaring yeah. so it was like some sort of weird torture yeah like like you do in like a gulag or some sort of like yeah. eastern european torture prison mm. um <laughs> i don't get like eastern european torture prisoner survivors coming yeah. out being like i'm offended enough um yeah anyway um ah, lost my yeah so, so i she feel did like trust she, you. she did say that she was gonna she was gonna try I feel like producers then were like, this is an amazing oh, storyline. They were pushing it. They were pushing it. Right. And then they were pushing the other women into it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't think, like, looking back now, I don't think Melinda really gave a fuck, mm. right? Mm. But she, it's a great platform yeah. if you're going to attack the bad guy. Yeah, you look yeah. like a good guy in, yeah. in default, right? Yeah. Because whoever's attacking the bad guy. It was the, the producer's guy, MO on you. Whoever's attacking the bad guy mm. is automatically going to be the good guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm makes honest, sense. I feel like Melinda was always kind of secretly worried about how she's going to come across after how her and Leighton were at the wedding, mm. what she said about him. Mm. She was already on the back foot and she knew it. Mm. And so she saw this opportunity. Yeah, because her response to him was pretty pretty uh, bad, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Like, yeah. no one wants to hear that said about them. You know, yeah. Especially from their wife, but yeah. they married. Yeah. So I feel like. Melinda looked at a bit of a shot at like redemption, a 
attacking the bad guy, like yeah. ganging up on the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and yeah. maybe producers had something to do with that, I don't know. Yeah. And she took a shot and sure. paid off for her. Like, yeah. by default, she looked like the good person. Yeah. Cracking at me, mm. right? Mm. And Bronte, this is the issue I have with Bronte, is all well and good producers want their storyline. Mm. But Bronte sat back and fed that group to keep attacking mm. me, right? Mm. This, is, this is where I now go back on defending Bronte. Bronte knew about Abby, the 21-year-old, mm. before the wedding. Yes. Had all the information on me. Yes. So why not at that point defend me? Mm. If she was choosing to trust me, mm. why at the first dinner party and the first commitment ceremony mm. did she feed me to the wolves and sit there like butter would melt in her mouth, the innocent one, when she knew full well that is the most manipulative, that is the most narcissistic, that is the most gaslighter move I've ever seen from anyone ever. So do you think a part of her wanted to trust you and then another part just didn't? I think a part of her wanted, probably wanted it to work. Yeah. But she was so jealous mm. of this other girl. Oh, okay. And so, yeah. and Bronte, Bronte's the kind of person when she's jealous or mm. hurt, mm. nothing mm. is off limits. Okay. She'll, okay. she'll make up the biggest Hence why, why I said bad behaviour can often come from some underlying insecurity or... Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. And this isn't me psychoanalyzing Bronte. I mm. just know full well that she's a jealous person, mm. right? And when she's jealous or hurt or feels back into a corner, um, or and, and, and on the plus side can try and get something for herself like fame and notoriety, mm. then nothing's off limits. She'll attack anything she can yeah. to try and bring you down. Like that, That and that's what I saw. That's one thing I really learned about human psychology from the show mm. is I saw men don't men weren't really getting involved in the conflicts, mm. right? Mm. Um, and especially Jesse and Adam when they went at each other and, and I watched their conflict. Mm. Um, they didn't really want to be in the same room with each other. Like yeah. they, they were just like, they just wanted to sort of sort it out and then yeah. get out of there. Yeah. The, the women really got involved in character assassination mm. and lies and manipulation. Mm. Like I really saw the women like... Man, Claire playing the innocent one when she knew full well about all this. Yeah. Like, and then and then putting it on Jesse mm. and calling him like essentially trying to make out like he's crazy mm. and calling him out for calling her out. Mm. I just feel like when I watch the show back, mm. I see there's two different types of uh, conflict types. The men didn't want to get involved, wanted mm. to step back from it, and would only really get involved in like huge ticket items, mm. right? Mm. Whereas the women. Right, especially Bronte would really engage in character assassination and tearing someone mm. down. And, mm. Like they would go for the character. Yeah. And would, like, and it just it showed to me that there's two different types of conflict because yeah. men and women have different tools. Yeah, like sure. Men are physical. Yeah. Men will use their presence on another man mm. and the threat of violence, mm. whereas a, a woman mm. doesn't have that. Like, mm. especially the women on my season. Mm. So they would engage in other forms of conflict where mm. it's like character assassination of mm. you know lying about someone, you know, mm. going for their reputation, mm. going for their mm. going for them at a dinner table in public mm. rather than one on one. Like mm. I saw the men really go at each other one on one. Whereas the women would do it in public. Mm. Yeah. Just a just an interesting mm. way like a dynamic that I saw from the two different sexes mm. on my season. Mm. And mm. I see it play out on other seasons as well. Mm. 
Yeah, men and women are very different. That's why the book Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus was written. Because mm. it explains how we're wired differently as well. And we are very different when it comes to relationships and conflict situations and all of that. So so you, you made a point earlier about um, what you saw from my relationship. Because you were on the journey from start to finish with Maps, as you were in really all of my relationships that mm. I've ever had. Mm. including the one I'm in now. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't into, I, I don't want to kind of be easily painting the I'm picture that, I'm in, that the I interfere or anything. I'm not insinuating that you're the third yeah, yeah, of my yeah. relationships. Like, yeah. I'm a 33-year-old man. Yeah, of course. I can have my own relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's absolutely no harm mm. in going to someone that I trust mm. and love and care mm. for, mm. who is also an expert in this field, mm. to ask for advice, mm. right? Mm. So... Anyone trying to insinuate that you're like some sort of third wheel influence yeah. in relationships observed. Like yeah, I you make, always I, make up your own mind. I make my own mind up even when you give Often me good you advice. Often you don't take Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Often you'll give me good advice and, and you I'll won't the take the exact it. opposite yeah, just to see what happens. Well, exactly. Yeah. Because you've always been the sort of person that I've said to you, Harrison, that hot plate's hot, don't touch it, and you'll touch it. I'm stubborn. You've always been like that. Well, you yeah. just... You need to have your own experiences, you know, Correct. you learn the hard way. Yeah, You've always way. learned the hard way. I've always learned the hard You've way. I don't know why. I'm just wired to learn the hard way. Well. So what, I guess, we've established now that you weren't an interfering third wheel, right? That's not, you're not an overbearing. I yeah, mother. I wouldn't want to be that. No. Um, and I And I don't reach in, but if you reach out, I'm there for you. Correct. That yeah. is one thing I will say about you is, you will not initiate any sort of help or mm. you're not that sort of person. You're a, you help yourself. And if you're really stuck, come to me and I'll help you. I'll, I'll talk you through getting around the obstacle. Um, I try to be objective. All of my earliest memories of you and dad and dad as parents mm. were like, you're going to do this for yourself, whether you like it or not. We're just here to help you along the way. Mm. Right? Like, I remember one of my earliest memories was I was trying to get a, a dirt bike up a hill, and dad was like, just ride to the top. And I, I couldn't get this fucking dirt bike up this hill. Mm. And neither of you was going to help me do it. Mm. You, you guys mm. were like, the dirt bike's in your hands. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's steep. Yeah, it's scary. Mm. Ride the fucking bike up the hill. Mm. Right? And I got to the top of the hill and I was like, fuck, I can do this. Mm. Right? It wasn't easy. It was scary. Mm. There wasn't a lot of traction. The wheels were slipping. Like, very daunting task mm. for a, I don't know, what, 10 year old kid or something mm. at the time. Same with your horse when you had a horse. It's like you saddle it, right. you bridle it, you, you ride it. it. You bridle it. If you fall off, it's on you. Mm. Right? But then if I ever like needed help knowing where the straps would go, yeah. I'd ask you and you'd come yeah. over and show me. I'd still yeah. I'd still saddle it and bridle it myself. Yeah. So you're not yeah, like I just I think it's important to make that distinction that you aren't an overbearing mother. Mm. You are the sort of person where you're like, no, you're gonna carry out the tasks, but if you need help and guidance, I'm always here for you. Well your longest relationship was with Sophie to date your longest relationship. And when she was asked whether or not I was an interfering mother-in-law, her answer was no. Right. And the, 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 the thing is that about the relationship is Sophie and I had a million times more invested into the relationship oh. than Bronte and I ever would. Absolutely. You had a child. Exactly. Yeah. We had a child and we actually mm. lived together. Not yeah. on a fucking television set. Like we, 
like we lived together in an actual house that I was paying for. We had a child together. Like there was a lot more to the dynamic of our relationship that would have involved a lot more, that came with a lot more stresses and pressure yeah. than anything Bronte and I had experienced. Mm. And you weren't overbearing. I never got violent. Like a lot of Bronte's stories don't add up. Mm. Right. So moving past the accusation of you being an overbearing mother, what I will ask is, so you were essentially like a helping guiding hand through that relationship now that we've established that. So what was your impression of that relationship with Bronte, of my relationship with Bronte? I think that it's a relationship in a pressure cooker mm. because it's an unnatural environment. You, don't, you, you weren't even able to go out and really be in life together. We were. No, we well, you, go on dates and things like that. Yeah, but you weren't allowed to go and do anything that couldn't be filmed. There, yeah, it's a weird one because um, there was a few days where we weren't being filmed and, and Bronte, Bronte was very happy to just lay around the house. Like She wasn't, mm. she wasn't really up for um, doing things. And in her defence, the weather was shit most of the time. Yeah. Right? The weather was yeah. always pretty glib and miserable. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't really ever like a, you know, um, let's go do this type person. Yeah. She was very happy to just let the show happen around mm. her and, mm. you know, yeah. So mm. one day I sort of got over watching her sit around the house. I said, like, look, I'm, I'm going to go pick up my car and we'll go, um, I'll take you around Sydney for the day. Mm. And I took her to Milk Beach and took her around mm. Sydney and we had a great time. Yeah. You know? Then, you know, uh, later on that week we went out cocktails together mm. and, you know, we both yeah. had we, 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 we went out to go get sushi. It was my idea. I said, let's get out of the house. It's mm. like, she'd mm. been in there since all morning. It was mm. like 11, 30 mm. or 12 o'clock. And I was like, let's go get lunch. Mm. And she didn't really want to, but I sort of talked her into it. And then they were walking to go get sushi and then we were holding hands. Yeah. Like we were, there were mm. times where we were out mm. in a real couple, mm. right? Mm. And then it started pissing down rain. Mm. And so we ducked into this little um, bar that I know of uh, just behind street in the mm. city mm. and a great little cocktail bar they had great dumplings and things like that mm. and um we went in there and we had dumplings and then we had you know espresso martinis and you know one drink turned into about four mm. next mm. minute we you know we were we were all over each other like mm. it, mm. there was moments in that relationship that were organic yeah and real i remember and you reporting that yeah. yeah yeah and those moments mm. i think were authentic yeah in amongst the chaos yeah and I think it was, correct me, you know, you tell me your mm. opinion on this because, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of an observer. Well, I, I always like, wanted it to work. Well, in those moments, those are the moments where she fell for me. Mm. Those mm. are the moments where she fell for me. Mm. And those are the moments where I started to fall for her, mm. which, in my opinion, mm. is what instigated the, I've, I'm questioning now mm. what the future of the relationship looks yeah. like. Right? Yeah, and when I started to apply the pressure of questions, just mm. questions, just mm. conversations with Bronte, mm. I never trusted the answers. The answers, yeah, the answers were very vague, flippant, mm. like the equivalent of a the conversational equivalent of just kicking the can down the road. Oh, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. You know, let's cross that bridge. You had a lot of guards up too because you'd been hurt in your previous relationship. You and I've been single for so long because I yeah. didn't want to get hurt. That's right. And you had trust issues, mm. for one thing. You definitely had trust issues. And then also an interstate situation. 
is just, it's like... How's that ever going to work? How's it ever going to work? Like, I, I was just questioning why uh, the producers on the show would match you with somebody that comes from interstate when you've been through the giant hurt of having your child moved five hours away from you. Correct. And then the, the, I was always saying, well, and then you if go, you're, you're going to go through that again? Committed, if you're not 100% committed to Sydney. Yeah. Right? Yeah. My fear is that it, now it won't be Sydney Falls, it'll be Sydney Perth. Yeah. Right? So I'll be flying to Perth one weekend and then driving to Forbes the next. Like, fuck that. Well, you're in a relationship now with someone who's already proven that they can be away from their family. Uh, because because she's Gina, been away from her family for five years. Gina moved here. Right? Um, Gina, so she's got sorry, that independence. Gina moved, here, Gina moved here, yeah, five years ago. Yeah. She came here seven years ago with an ex on a holiday. Mm. And, um, but no, she's not. She's not clingy. No, I don't want to go into Gina's story because it's not. It's not appropriate. It's not my story. But it's more one, just the fact. Yeah, of, one thing know, I would say is the psychology yeah. of someone who has shown a, a pattern mm. and a history of being able to stay on their own two feet. Correct, an independent away, person, and, and, and like yeah. now, I see Gina as a, as a Sydney, as an Australian yeah. Sydney sider yeah. who has decided to make this this small part of the world her permanent home. Mm. And so I have nothing but trust that, good or bad, mm. this is where, if we have children, this mm. is where they will stay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I didn't have that with Sophie, and I 100% ever had that with Bob. Yeah. There was always that fear that you'd be in the same situation that you'd just been in. Because well, like, we, we, like, used, look, to, we used to kind of make wall. jokes about it, the you know, when things wall. were like, bad. The evidence is on the wall. When I asked her what the future of the relationship looked like, she wanted to go home. Mm. Just asking her questions and saying, Bronte, I don't believe what you're saying. Mm. Like when I ask you, where would you want to live? How would we make this relationship work? Okay, have you thought about job prospects? Like mm. what does the future look like for you? It was all too hard for her. And then she goes, I want to leave and go home. And I'm like, fuck, there's my, there's my evidence. How do I trust you? Right? And my mistake the only mistake I made on maths was staying beyond that point. Mm. I should have left the show then. So mm. they dragged it out and the relationship just got more toxic. And you know what they got me to stay, mm. right? Was they fucking filled my head with the fact that I could turn the relationship around somehow. Or if I left it would look fake and I'd get a shit edit. So I had the fear of a bad edit on one hand and the possibility gave of making anyway. the relationship work on the other. Mm. So either way, I was damned if I did or damned if I didn't. Right. If I left, the relationship looks fake, and all the hard work I put in would be for nothing. Mm. And if I stay, I've got the possibility of turning it around. Right. And and I came to you, and I was like, "What do I do?" Right. Like, I've we've gone around the room at a dinner party, and everyone's relationship was fucked. Cameron Lindus was falling mm. apart. Linda and Layton were in a terrible place, mm. and. We never see their relationship really play out on TV. Mm. They fought like cats and dogs from day one to the end of that experiment. Yeah. They had a tumultuous relationship. Yeah. And they played out like a fucking love story. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's if you crazy. want to talk about how the edit is, yeah. right? Great people. Like yeah. Linda and Layton. Nothing yeah. against them. Yeah. They had a fucking shit ass relationship on the show. They're still together now though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But he lives in Sydney. Oh. She's in Brisbane. Yeah, okay. Like what kind of relationship? That's that's tough. That's yeah. a long distance relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I hope that when they see each other, mm. and from all reports that I've got back, when they see mm. each other, it's explosive and yeah, passionate good. and positive. Good. good. Yeah. On the show, One success it did story. not go well. Yeah. 
Like, it's yeah. evident when I moved in to their house for three days, just gonna sleep on their couch for three days and observe Belinda in her natural habitat, and fucking World War III erupted, mm. right? So, why not show their relationship in its entirety, mm. in its true colours? Mm. Well, anyway, so they when, do, when, yeah. the, when we went around the dinner table and I saw all of this firsthand, yeah. right? Yeah. Claire and Jesse had just broken up. Like, there was relationships that were fucked mm. beyond repair mm. at that dinner table. Mm. And I was like, well, these people aren't giving up. Mm. So what's my excuse? I have yeah. some doubts. Yeah. And I would have always been saying, you've got to earn your way out. Have you earned your way out? Have you tried everything? Have you stayed to the bitter end? You know, have you really, really done everything you possibly can to make it work? And you obviously felt you hadn't, because that's the question that I would have asked you. You, you did. You said, um, you said uh, something along the lines of, yeah, earning your way out of a relationship and all the work I've done to get there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. I need you to equivalent or greater to get out. Mm. Right? And the, the annoying thing was is when I came into the relationship, I was the bad guy. I was sleeping around with all these girls. You know, one of them happened to be a friend of a friend of Bronte's, right? Like it mm. just didn't look good. Mm. And then I was in the I was in the experiment with her on a show and it just wasn't happening. And then all of a sudden we got really good and we turned it around. And then at the end of the relationship, the reason the wheels fell off is because I just didn't trust her. Mm. Right? Mm. And they still managed to make me look like the bad guy for that. Mm. Like, she's saying, I don't know what he wants from me. I'll move, I'll move. And mm. it's like, there's more to just hearing the right words. That's what people don't understand. Is, I can say all of the right things to someone, and if they don't believe it, mm. right, and the minute they start really questioning what I'm saying, mm. I then say I want to leave and go home. Mm. That breaks down the trust mm. of the relationship. Mm. So I kind of felt like it was a bit of a kick in the dick when I'm mm. like sort of getting told you've got to earn your way out. And mm. I'm like, well, I don't, I shouldn't have to earn my way out. Like I just don't trust her. Mm. So like the hard work of ending the relationship. She hadn't already, proven that she was untrustworthy by that stage though. She hadn't proven it. Mm. No, that's the thing. Mm. But what I'm saying is all of those doubts that I might've had about mm. the future of the relationship yeah. were coming to fruition. Yeah. Like, she was saying, I want to leave and go home. And then when I confirmed that via a text message, then she makes out like I broke up with her. It's like, mm. stop, just mm. take accountability mm. for your for the reason this relationship isn't working. It's not a text message. That's not the reason this relationship isn't working, right? The 
the reason the relationship isn't working is because you're doing and saying things that are making me untrust, like not trust yeah. you. Yeah. Right? And yeah. when I came to you with these sorts of things, you'd hear them, mm. but then the, the advice was always like, well, you know, you guys have put in a lot of work. There was a lot of chemistry at the start. You know, don't give up, essentially. Don't mm. give up on Bronte. Mm. And one, one of the things you did say was, you know, a lot of guys, you know, that Bronte's been with have all given up on it. Mm. Don't be the guy that gives up on it. Well, that's because of what I heard at the wedding speech mm. from her sister, you know, and, and, and I felt for her in that, you know. So I was, I was wanting things. I was wanting you guys to work out right throughout the whole thing. Her narrative always seemed to be like this sort of poor me, mm. victim, you know, no one loves me, I'm the mm. poor girl. And whilst I think maybe that some of that might have been true for previous relationships, it definitely wasn't true in ours. Mm. Like I did genuinely have feelings for her. Mm. And I did try to make the relationship work. Mm. And she could never get it through her head that the reason it didn't work was because of her. Mm. Right? Like the reason I pulled back in the relationships, not because of some other girl, not because I, you know, suddenly didn't feel anything or whatever the reason I pulled back in the relationship is because I didn't trust Bronte you had trust issues from like literally from day two I think mm. Mm. yeah and that but thing that thing about the camera as well you know when when she turned and said to the cameraman was that good and you thought is she acting she's it was like being on the set yeah. it, 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 seriously I was starting to get used to the cameras being around producers because you, you've got weeks of backstory and the wedding. And you mm. kind of get used to the fact that you're on camera, mm. right? Mm. And in that moment, it felt like I was on set of Home and Away. Yeah. You know, and then, yeah. and then for her to flip out the way she did mm. and storm off, mm. and then when I bring her a blanket. So I don't know if, um, I don't know if uh, you remember the conversation I had with you about, um, one second. The conversation I had with you about um, Bronte's miscarriage, mm. right? And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because Bronte's brought it up. I, I don't want to talk about it or discuss it really, but yeah. uh, it's topical now. So Bronte... Um, it wasn't aired on the show though, was it? Well, they couldn't air it. Maybe we shouldn't talk about that. Um, no, no, I'll talk about it topically. I won't go into any details of what was shared, but... Um, yeah, she, she sort of threw in my face the fact that she'd had one. This is after the whole, um, you know, the conversation with the producer was that good and then she stormed yeah, off yeah. and I, I brought her a blanket and I checked on her and I was like hoping that she's okay and this will lead me to another point in a minute. Mm. And I checked on her and I was like, I could see she was upset and I went and checked on her mm. and then, um, you know, tried to make sure she was okay and then she starts throwing this miscarriage thing Did she face. tell that story in front of the cameraman and everything? All on camera. Okay. Right, and again, I was like, I, I was back into a corner at this point because I'm like, this chick's just flipped out, you know, am I overreacting, like blah, blah, blah. And then I just, I was like, that was so unnecessary for mm. her to mention that. Like, mm. the, com the conversation didn't need to go from previous relationships that hadn't worked out to a miscarriage. Like, it was just mm. such an unnecessary escalation yeah, in yeah. her private stuff. Yeah. And I certainly wasn't prepared to, to hear that. Mm. Like. That was really confronting. Mm. And I just sort of said, that, I was like, don't throw that in my face. Like, I've been through that too. Mm. Right? Like, I, I've lost a child as well mm. in a relationship. Like, mm. yes, it's different for the woman, to the mm. man. Mm. Right? But mm. I was I was like saying, like, don't, like, mm. use that against mm. me 
Mm. I'm just here trying to get to know you mm. and you're throwing that in my face mm. as like a weapon in the conversation. Yeah. It was really inappropriate. Yeah. So I gave her a blanket and like left her. I was like, the conversation wasn't going anywhere positive. And I said, look, you know, if you want to talk, I'll be inside. Mm. Um, you know, I'll go inside and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Then we come to, when we moved into Sky Suites and we had our balcony fight and then I tried to bring her this, it's called the titty cake now. It was actually like a really pretty oh, yeah. cupcake with yeah. like type thing. Yeah. With a flower. A flower yeah. like slipped off and now it just looks like a teeth. <laughs> anyway, um, and she oh, goes, you know, I was upset again. And, I, you know, you didn't check on me again. And like yeah. just the yeah. way she was talking yeah. was so bronte. Yeah. And it's the reason I couldn't connect with her because it was just always over dramatic and just, you, I could just tell it was for television. You could never do anything right. No, no, and I'm like, and, but the thing is, like, I, I checked on her. I did yeah. check on her. That yeah. was the biggest critique of me at the time was that mm. I'm not doing enough to make sure she's emotionally stable. Like, that's somehow my responsibility. Mm. And that's, like, bullshit. Like, I always was, you know, coming to you and saying, are you okay? Mm. Like, the, the balcony, there, there was a fight we had on the balcony, and I was the one to go and apologise to her. Yeah. This was not over the... This wasn't the gaslighting text messages. This was something else. Mm. And I was the one that I was like, shit, I'm in the wrong. Like, mm. I should probably swallow my pride and go and talk to her. I was mm. like, there was a conversation that never made it to camera. Mm. And I hugged her and I was like, I'm well, sorry. Well, I would never have made it to camera because it's you being human and saying sorry and showing yeah, yeah, empathy. Yeah. So um, they would never show any of that. No, no. And I, like, hugged her. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, it's it's me. I'm sorry. Mm. And, you know, we went to bed that night and cuddled. Like, the the relationship wasn't always all bad. No, it was a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. Yeah, right. Definitely. But I was I always felt like I was on a roller coaster with someone that had unbuckled my harness. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I always felt like Bronte was sabotaging my experience on the show Mm. for her own gain. Mm. Like, why not at any point come clean about the fact that you were playing me? That you need. I think she tried to at the honeymoon. That's what that whole conversation about Brent and Tamara was, mm. where she was mm. like, um, you know, we, we could just get through this to the end, you know, like, you know, they did it, you know, blah, blah, mm. blah. Mm. And I was like, that was mm. so fake. And everyone knew it was fake and they mm. got ripped for it. Like, why would I want fake? Mm. And I think from that point, she knew she could never really come clean to me about everything. Yeah. Because I sort of didn't agree to that plan. Mm. I guess we'll never really know what went through her mind or how she how she saw things or what her perspective was. Well she dropped she dropped a lot of interesting nuggets, um, you know, in her time on the media since where she's talked about how production wanted this thing with me and Kira. Mm. And it's like, well if you knew that, why didn't you tell me? We're supposed to be in a relationship. Even if we're in a fake relationship like you're trying to claim, wouldn't you fill me in on the act? Mm. Like I don't like none of what she says makes sense. She says that yeah. we were walking one day in a vineyard at a, at a winery and I congratulated her on some acting to do with this fake relationship that we were supposedly in and then she's just cracked it, right? Mm. And I'm like, well, if I'm congratulating you on your part of a fake relationship that you're also in, why would you get upset about that? Wouldn't that be a compliment? Mm. But none of her stories make sense. Mm. Like nothing that she says actually makes sense. She can't make one cohesive argument mm. everything's a contradiction I, I'm honestly like I'm actually glad that it's on the internet that it exists now because mm. people can go and listen to it for themselves 
and realise what an unedited Bronte sounds like. Mm. I've unfortunately had to sit through it and now I feel like I should sue for compensation mm. for, da- for mental damages from having to listen to hours and hours of Bronte. <laughs> like the relationship was bad enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like when, when I came to you with these issues and was like, this is what's happening, I kind of feel like you got an overview of the relationship when it was good, when it was bad. Mm. Mm. Um, and I've waffled on for way too long. So I kind of want to mm. hear, I guess, some, some thoughts and opinions from you about how that relationship was, especially from a third person. Because you saw all of you kind of got filled in on all of it that wasn't shown on television, right? Mm. What, like, what's your opinion on our relationship? Well, like I said, it's a, it's a relationship in a pressure cooker. Yeah. Because you've got cameras in your face, you're in an unnatural environment, you're then thrown into a whole lot of people that have a, a spyglass into it. You've then got experts who are sabotaging you, you've got producers who are sabotaging you. Like, you match from in different states. Um, it's just, it was just never ever going to be successful. It was set up for failure from the beginning. And then there's the whole the whole drama around Bronte discovering at the wedding that you'd been seeing this twenty one year old and and supposedly knew all about that all along. So mm. pretending to be shocked and pretending, pretending, pretending. So a relationship doesn't have any hope if the foundation of the relationship is built on dishonesty and mistrust. That was my exact point. Yeah. Is how could I ever trust someone? It doesn't have a hope in hell. Right. No relationship would. Right. So that's, but I didn't know that at the time either. No, neither of us did. No. I feel like the, I feel like the the penny definitely dropped on why I was feeling that way. You were intuitively feeling a lot of mistrust right from the beginning. You said to me very early on, I just don't trust, I just don't trust Bronte and, and because there was no reason to not trust evidence, her. Right, at the time. There was no evidence, and I would have been saying to you. Uh, I remember actually saying to you, um, because I remember talking to her a couple of times as well when you guys would ring and I you'd ring me, and and I knew that she was really tired. You know, like it would have taken a lot out of her. Um, I know she didn't sleep well the night before the wedding. She was nervous. She was up all night, and when people are tired, they don't behave well. And so I just always was probably trying to make excuses or trying to go to bat for her or trying to find a reason for why she was behaving the way she was behaving. So I would probably be coming up with possibilities as to why. And I would have probably been relaying those to you. So yeah, I was always, I always try to imagine what it would be like to be in someone else's shoes. So I would imagine what it would be like to be in her shoes and then come back to you with possibilities of, Perhaps, yeah, I got that you know, point. Like you were yeah. playing the devil's advocate on yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. No, I, I got that. I got that. Um, just a quick one. What is your impression or overview of my relationship now? I don't really get to see a lot of it because we live in different states now. So. Um, we lived in different states when I was on the phone to you about Rocky. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we haven't really talked much about your current relationship. Okay, moving on. Um, mm. One thing I... Probably because it's not in conflict. 
You know what I mean? Like it's it's new. I think that's where I was sort of. And I think you've grown a lot as a person too. You're probably answering a lot of your own questions now, rather than really needing or wanting to come to me for that kind of support. I think I think the thing that I was hoping you would say for both of us is that um, this the parts of the relationship you have seen or how I talk about Gina to you. I guess I just wanted your opinion on how this relationship is in contrast to my last television relationship. Well, you know my my view of what I think of Gina. You know, you know that um, I think she's amazing. She's she's just. Um, Will you see yeah, she She's a quality honest. human being, absolute yeah. quality human being, and, oh, and yeah, and so. Yeah, I'm. I'm just thrilled that you've met somebody that I feel. Genuine and yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing, the thing is, um, I would say this to you as well. In, you know, on the, while I was on the show, is um, after Sophie, I realized looks. In, I, I'm still attracted to what I'm attracted to, so looks are important. But I really wanted someone with good values and character mm. because that was lacking in that. Well, you've got the whole package with Gina. With Gina, yeah. Yeah. But see, the thing is, when I went into maps, the thing I said to the producers was, I want someone that's honest, that's loyal, Mm. that's got good character, good values, because Mm. those things were lacking in my relationship with Sophie. And so I really wanted that with the next person. And I really genuinely feel like the producers stitched me up and gave Mm. me a, a very, very, as close as they could, you know, person to what I was saying were the reasons why it didn't work in my previous relationship and they just dressed it up in a different outfit like Mm. Bronte was just a brunette version of Sophie in a lot of ways like the distance was never going to work I didn't trust her Mm. you know she had a lot of dishonest qualities Mm. some good qualities to Bronte like you know I, I think um I think she can be fun. I think she can be spontaneous, and I think she's. You said that you felt that she was a very loving person. That she has a lot of love she to give. She runs really she... deep for her family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I, but looking back now, it's almost in a codependent way, mm. right? Like this whole notion that any guy that she gets with her sister has a pro- has to approve of. That's not a healthy relationship. No, that's, no, that's not. Like, shouldn't it matter more what you approve of yeah. rather than what your sister approves of? Like. Yeah. Like, why does Kira... Well, that was another... And that was another reason why their relationship was doomed was because you're in a relationship with two people, not just one. Well, remember, I was in a relationship with two people, with Sophie, her and my mother. Mm. Yeah. I've never... I've never in all my life... So so that's been your pattern, you know? Like, everybody has patterns that they follow until they discover that they're actually... Their patterns are unhealthy and then they break the pattern, which is what you've done now. Yeah. Yeah, like, and the thing is now I would set a boundary of I don't want your family's input in a relationship unless it's positive. And yeah. I will do the same with my family. Yeah. Like, could you yeah. imagine if we went to Noosa with mm. Bronte and Mason sat there and attacked Bronte the way Kira was going me? For all of the things I told there's you just guys no way. Bronte, there's no way that it would happen 
like the way that Kira spoke to you, which is the one thing that I have had something to say about, mm. there's just no way in the world that any of our family would speak to Bronte like that, no matter what Bronte no, did. I was giving a hypothetical. Could you imagine if my male brother... That's what I'm saying. Like, spoke to a woman that, Bronte but, like but that. But us as a family... No, we haven't we would, so much class. We would, we would never speak to a person, anybody like that, ever. No. I never once spoke to anyone on the show the way Kira spoke to me. No. And I had way more reason to. Like, Kira, Kira was getting, like, snippets of our relationship from Bronte. Mm. Right? I actually lived in the same apartment complex, mm. in the same hotel mm. as the cast members, and I was directly involved in their relationship. I still never got involved in the mm. way Kira did. The disappointing thing for me with all of that too was that young... Just, just a quick side note, just before you, sorry, make it just, just quickly, um, mm. if you don't mind me jumping in quickly. Another thing was that I never, I experienced Kira's overbearing contributions to our relationship the same way I experienced Sharon, Sophie's mother's contribution to our relationship. Whatever Sharon said, Sophie did. And I've never heard of someone's mother-in-law requesting to go through their bank accounts ever before in my life. Mm. Sharon wanted to go through my bank accounts mm. because of the way I was paying off the engagement ring. Mm. Like, I've never heard of that before. What, like, when you want to talk about overbearing family members in relationships, that is an un, probably the unhealthiest boundary across. Is There's nothing wrong with family members giving their approval of your partner, right? Or their thoughts. When it starts crossing the line into actually going into the privacy of the relationship, and I think, I think that's the thing that the line Kira crossed and the line Sharon crossed in my relationship, and and then the family members still do. Like the fam, those family, those family members that I didn't get along with are now the ones sharing our intimate mm. parenting details with the media, mm. right? And they wonder why I never got along with them. Mm. Sophie wonders why I never got along with her family. Mm. Well, they're out there giving the media mm. false statements. Mm. So much so that I had to serve Kieran mm. the cease and desist letter from my lawyer mm. because he was trying to get false, slanderous mm. uh, information published in the Daily Mail. Yeah. And the only reason I came across that information was the, 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 the good fortune of being friends with the editor mm. and um, one of the... Um, one of the journalists of the mm. Daily Mail who sent me the messages. Mm. And I showed it to my lawyer and I said, there is absolutely no way this guy can provide evidence for this in court, mm. what he is saying. Mm. And my, under my lawyer's guidance, we sent him a cease, like a cease and desist. It's just important to never, so never stoop. Why I never got along no, you never stoop thing. and you never kick below the belt. Yeah. And I think, and the other thing is you, you just, it's never okay to be abusive. And, and the way that Kira spoke to you was abusive. Yeah. In my opinion. And I, I just think that, um, that that's not a good example to set for young women that are watching that show. And, she, and, and, Kira and that got celebrated. No, no, you no. Know? That was celebrated by the, yeah, by the viewers. I think by rapid morals. The only people that are cheering Kira on mm. are like angry, mm. feministic women. Mm. Like, I haven't seen a single woman I respect think what Kira did was good. Mm. No, I know. Well, certainly not my friends or my associates. I haven't seen any woman that I respect come out and say, like, yeah, that was great. Mm. I see I see women trying to mm. beat that up. Mm. But the, the women I respect are yeah. going, well, Bronte was fake as hell and Kira was in on it. But the season was very much about the women really um, emasculating the men, wasn't it? And, yep. and not yep. yeah, and celebrating that. And I just refused that. to let them do that to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. And when they tried to, I just got up and walked good, away. Good, good. I would never, ever cheer on a woman that abuses a man or talks down to him or emasculates him. Like, it's just not... One of the... One of the it's not what femininity the, is. And it's not what, what power to women is. One of the biggest, um, you know, cheer on a female moments of the season was Lyndall saying she didn't want to hear Cam's final vows. She, she felt like he was what was the gonna, response she felt, to that like she felt like he was just going to disappoint her again that was her excuse she wanted to hear it right yeah, yeah women were like yeah you deserve so much better yeah I watched that and thought hold on a minute yeah you've been through all this yeah in life you know with your cystic fibrosis yeah um, you know you've been through all this you know adversity in your life mm. and you don't have the spine mm. to stand there mm. and listen to Cam's inner thoughts mm. for five minutes mm. Been on a journey with him for 10, 12 weeks, mm. right? Mm. You've been the, you know, you've, you've been the darling of the season, mm. and you don't have the intestinal fortitude mm. to stand there and hear a guy say he doesn't want to be with you, mm. and why mm. for five minutes mm. after you've just done that mm. to him. Mm. That to me was the biggest act of cowardice mm. I saw on maps, mm. mm. right? Yeah. Way more like when when I got up and walked away. From it was like having these two little hyenas yapping at me. Mm. Mm. You did the right thing by getting up and walking away. That's the, that's the show. Of, that's the show of strength. Yeah, absolutely. A coward, a coward would have sat there and thrown his drink in her face. Yeah, that's right. Reached across the table yeah. and slapped her across the mouth. Yeah, that's what a coward would do. Mm. Mm. A coward, a weak man, mm. a coward mm. would have gotten physical. It takes strength to remove yourself from a situation when yes. you know when you know you're going to get triggered. Yes, yep. I swallowed my pride and yep. I walked away. Yeah, that is a show of strength. Yeah, anything less than that, I agree. It would have been easy for me to shout at her. Mm. Do you know how easy it would have been for me to tell Kira mm. to shut the fuck up? Mm. I know. Did you I, you were very controlled in a lot of situations. You were very controlled. And back to the thing about Lyndall and Cam, like I just try not to judge any of the show because I know from what I watched and what I saw of you that we never get the full story. You know what I mean? Well, so I got the full story from Cam. You you know because you know the inside. And I watched them. At the you know the inside, table. yeah. But I watched things at the dinner table too. I watched you at the dinner table and saw things that I know weren't true. Such as? Well, the way it was edited. So, for example, it would show you smirking at somebody's... I wasn't even looking at it, yeah. Right, at someone's misfortune. Yeah. And that smirk was from a conversation two hours ago. It was, you know what's funny? Um, they couldn't hide some things in the edit. Some things in the edit they just couldn't hide, and they don't actually make sense to the storyline. So there's a mm. scene where Taylor and Hugo walk back into the dinner party, mm. and just for a split second, you can see Melinda, myself, and Jesse mm. sitting at the table, mm. sharing a laugh, mm. having a drink together. Mm. Mm. And in that split second, mm. you could almost undermine the entire storyline of the show mm. with that one split second of the yeah. editing fail. Oh, look, you had the ability to destroy a relationship with one line of text. You know what I mean? The, the yeah. powers that they gave well, you. A relationship gets destroyed by someone asking The powers that they gave you in that show were just well, incredible. See, this, is, this is the thing. This is why I'm uh, being called the main character for season 10, mm. right? This is the thing, is that the cast revolved around me on the show. Mm. 
everyone on that show mm. seems to at some point have revolved around me. Their storyline was intertwined with mine. Mm. Even mm. down to the fact where Cam and Lyndall, mm. who I always kind of thought as like kind of separate mm. entities in the experiment, right? Mm. Like they were sort of like the quiet achievers, very similar to Tani Oli. Like they never mm. really, Lyndall got involved in everyone's gossip, mm. but Cam always sat back at the dinner table, never got involved. Mm. All of their fights were about him not wanting to get involved with all the yeah. bullshit, right? Yeah. And even down to the fact that when Cam and Linda were having a disagreement at the table, it comes to me going, well, why can't you move? <laughs> right? Like, everyone's relationship yeah. seemed to revolve at some point around me. The couple yeah. swapping and then relating. Yeah. I was put in the middle because of it. Because the experts referred to you as the grenade thrower. That you threw no, grenades, John, you threw John grenades said into... I was the most memorable as well. Like, not just about throwing, like, you know... I prefer to call them dropping truth bombs. Yeah, but yeah. I think um, I think the producers knew that without me, they did not have a show this year, mm. and so the entire show, for better or worse, seemed to revolve around mostly me. Mostly for worse, and yeah. <laughs> mostly for worse. But but I agree with you. Is yeah. in that is a lot of power, right? Yeah. To the point where I destroyed someone's relationship yeah. because I called them out for being fake. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. My intention wasn't to break Jesse and Clara. Mm. It was simply just to bring to light mm. Claire's behaviour, mm. right? The way she was trying to do it to me. Mm. And that, I will always disagree, is mm. a deflection. It's not. Mm. It's a mutual exchange, mm. right? Mm. And I just have a bigger, well, better Well, it's called defending yourself as well. Like, everybody has the right to defend themselves. I, I was just simply replying to Claire. Yeah. Am I not afforded the right to reply? Of course you are. Right. Mm. Well, Melinda seemed to get involved in my relationship from day one. Yeah. Why is she not being called out? She was obsessed. She was deflecting from her own relationship. Mm. Why is she not getting called out for that behaviour? Well, the girls didn't get called out for anything. At all. Mm. Ever. Mm. Always the guys. It was the year of the toxic male. Mm. And I was the toxic alpha male. It was just season. basically the Harrison and, uh, fucks up show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, Dad and I... I mean, as you know, I've never watched it. I watched it 10 years ago, um, maybe a couple of shows, and it was quite sort of innocent back then. But I think it's evolved into this really toxic, um, triggering, just it's, it's really um, quite sinister, in my opinion. And it definitely triggers people and it definitely generates a lot of hostility and hate and... Um, and when you negativity, when you commented on the show, like you've made a few things on, you you said a few things online that have actually got picked up by the media, right? Mm. You've made comments online where you're sort of defending me, of course, because um, I know who you are. Yeah, yeah, you know? and yeah. and the show didn't portray who you are. Correct. Yeah. So you came. I saw you came quite hard for Bronte and Kira, mostly Kira. Only, right? only for that one situation. Only for that one situation. Yeah. What what was it about that? Situation oh, and the other thing, with? the only other thing that I was disappointed about was the the leaked messages where it becomes very clear that Bronte knew who you were. And going in the wedding was fake. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. See, the, the thing, even, yeah. even they're the two, grant, they're the two disappointments. For even me. if I grant Bronte the benefit of the doubt that when she walked down the aisle, her game plan went out the window, you see very clearly Jess say to her, "No, that's that's Harrison, that's the guy." So, but, what, but the thing that's really interesting is all our phones were confiscated. Right? No, the production set that up. But what I'm saying is that yeah. when, when Jess 
says to Bronte, no, that's that's Harrison, like trying to trigger Bronte's mm. memory. Mm. Bronte, I, I was told they shot that scene six separate times mm. to get the biggest reaction they could from Bronte. Mm. Her first reaction could very well have been, oh, yeah. yeah and then they coached her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I want to give Bronte the benefit of the doubt that well then, why didn't she tell you then? Why didn't she tell you? Well, again, again, that's my. Why didn't she come to you and say, "Hey, you won't believe what's just happened"? That's my problem with her in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, is because that's what a real relationship would do. Correct, correct. That's what a real relationship would do. She had every opportunity at every step of the way. Exactly. To to go. So she didn't trust you. She didn't trust you enough to be able to be. She she knew she knew that after what she put me through at the wedding. If she ever came clean to me about the fact that she knew, mm. that would be the end of the relationship. Yeah. I have enough integrity to just walk off. Yeah. Right? So she wasn't going to let the truth stop her time on the show. Yeah. Because yeah. she saw she saw me she saw me calling everyone out yeah. for their shit. Yeah. And everyone trying to call me out for my shit. Yeah. Right? And the thing the thing that bugs me about the experts and the premise of the show is, you know, that they, they sort of that even now, John Aiken is in the media going, oh, you know, we tried to hold Harrison accountable. Why didn't you hold fucking Claire accountable? Mm. She did far worse on the mm. show. Mm. And you guys put the end of that relationship on Jesse and me. Mm. On me for saying it and Jesse for leaving. Mm. How fucking dare you sit mm. there mm. and bitch about accountability and you fucking let her off scot-free. Yeah. Like, Jesse's got something wrong with him for not wanting to be with a chick mm. who he didn't have any chemistry with mm. and who cheated on him. Mm. Mm. And you want to sit there and act like you tried to, you know, your biggest mm. your biggest thing this year, hurdle to overcome, was holding me accountable. For mm. what? Being single before I met Bronte? Mm. I'd do it again. Mm. I'd do it again. Mm. And you know also, like, that the lifestyle that you had prior to going on maths is a lifestyle that, as your mum, was something that I was never really that thrilled about. Well, you know, I, I think I we always to... had a disagreement about your, your attitude was, and very much along the lines of Jordan Peterson's, which is clean up your room, clean up your act, and you'll, you'll attract mm. someone of high value. Mm. And mine was, well, my room's tidy now, I'm going to go and bang a bunch of girls in it, and hopefully I'll meet the one that way. So we kind of had different visions mm. on how that mm. would. But um, what I felt that you were living a very superficial life. I was. You know, and what that, maths, the most superficial show on television. Yeah, but you, you went. Good-looking people in a room. But you went on together. there with the right intentions. Like you said to me, okay, I, I don't have trouble finding girls to hang out with. Mm. You know, let's say it nicely. <laughs> Bang. Don't find it. Don't have trouble finding girls to bang. Yeah. But I haven't found anyone that I want to be in a serious relationship with. So I let's so let's anyone. go and see who these experts match me with, and let's see yeah. what that's like. No, no, I went on the show with authenticity. Yeah. My heart was open and my yeah. mind was open. Yeah. Um, I went in there with a healthy amount of skepticism too, but I, I was always I was always like open to the idea of meeting someone and falling in love, and like my heart was open and I was ready. I think maths to me was the was the stick in the sand saying this I'm ready to fall in love again. I'm ready to meet someone again. Yeah. And it ironically took leaving the show in order for me to find that. Mm. I didn't find it on the show. Mm. Um started to fall for Bronte, you know, I was, I was mm. falling for her, but 
it just never got to it never got across the line and it never was going to because mm. you mm. can't have a relationship without trust mm. and that's the one it's thing the foundation that's yeah. the one the foundation thing in my missing. relationship now yeah is that i really 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 trust this person yeah and it's because it's because mm. the relationship the media mm. all of the things that have tested this relationship mm. Have in a sense put it through its own pressure cooker. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And we have come through yeah. it flying colours because yeah. we have each other's backs. Yes. And I do not yeah. ever think that she's the person I'm in a relationship with now mm. has given me a reason not to trust her. That's right. If if anything, if anything, Gina has been the one to hold me the most accountable mm. out of any person I've ever been with. Mm. she's highly intelligent mm. she's fierce mm. she does not back down mm. and she I doesn't respect, take shit no mm. she does not and i respect the absolute hell out of her mm. Mm. and you need and that she you has, need that she has on multiple occasions yeah. held me accountable for mm. things and i've had to go okay shit if i want to be with this person mm. this high value person mm. i need to meet this level do you think that i've held you accountable for behavior in your life yeah, I mean, yeah, yes, yes. I do feel like you held me accountable. Have I listened is a different story, mm. right? Like you mm. said, I don't agree with this. Mm. In a way, you tried to hold me accountable. And I said, mm. well, I don't care. I'm going to go have fun and yeah. do what I'm doing. Yeah. So, I mean, Do you think yes. raising you, though, like was I quite a authority sort of parent? Well, I mean, um, you've turned out three functioning, can stand on their own two feet, take the punches, life throws at them. Um, you've turned out three boys that can deal with adversity, you know, are willing to roll with the punches. I just I just look at us three boys. I, I, I look at us three boys objectively, even if I look at your other two sons to get, to get even more objective, mm. and I see confident young men Mm. taking on the world and in in whatever they're passionate about mm. you know they have their own interests mm. um, they're polite mm. they're caring mm. Mm. They're, well, mean, so, they're well received by people yeah so I see and I well see, liked yeah, yeah yeah so I see the outcome mm. of it mm. and I just think that yeah you've done well as parents mm. and the funny thing is like um, I heard on some podcast uh, it was Dom, Dom and Ella did a mm. podcast where they talked about Mason and someone stopped him in the street and said, oh, you know, if you think Harrison's bad, you should see his brother or some shit. And I just think, like, what the fuck would have said that, right? Like, everyone, every dickhead and his dog comes out of the woodwork to talk shit about someone that's on television. Doesn't matter if you're a footballer or a fucking radio personality or someone that does the morning news or on Max. Every dickhead and their dog wants to come out and go, yeah, I know, who's a fuckwit? Yeah. But every fucking idiot yeah. that wants their five minutes of notoriety mm. says that. Mm. Mason's a lovely kid, mm. right? Mm. He's, what, 29 now? Mm. Nearly 30, mm. right? Mm. Running a business, mm. right? He's got mm. a passion for music. Mm. He's about to open a bar in Noosa. Mm. The kid's doing well in life. Mm. Mm. I respect him. Mm. Everyone loves him. So one fuckman on the street mm. trying to get his story out there and put shit on someone doesn't mean fuck all. I've tried to live my life with integrity and ethics and values and be an honourable person, but there's still people out there that would come out of the woodwork and say that I'm if a total and yeah. say that I'm a total bitch. 
Oh, there's, you know, there's like, people that there's because, people that you've because been you're going to have with. conflict with people no matter how well there's you try to live your you, life. There's people that you've been in. So this this is the one thing I've noticed, right? There's people that you've been in business with, and I know that those business dealings mm. have gone south for one reason yep. or another. Not yep. something you've done, mm. but those people would come out. Oh, right? If you were famous, yeah, yeah, those people would. would come out, yep. and they'd say, "I did X Y Z with Noni, and mm. she did X Y Z to me, and I'm now worse off for having dealt with Noni Boone, mm. right?" And the thing is, then, do you spend all your time putting out these fires mm. where you go around and then like defend yourself to every jab you get? That's the question I've had to ask myself. Is like, like I'm I don't give a fuck anymore mm. about what mm. people write about me online. Mm. Articles that come out, I don't care. I've had mm. like numerous shitty articles written about me, mm. but I thought verge on the point of slander. Yeah. Right. But the thing, yeah. the thing that's the thing that I do care about is ex-partners, people in the media mm. coming out mm. and slandering me. Because mm. I feel like that's a much bigger platform. Mm. Like that podcast mm. Sophie did, mm. all I'd have to do is release our court documents, mm. our original agreement that she never stuck to, where yeah. I was paying much, I was paying double, double the required child support, right? She, she ex- tried to extort me for more money mm. using my son as leverage, mm. right? All I'd have to do is show the screenshots of that stuff. Yeah. Put that online. You don't want to though. Like it's just it's airing dirty laundry. Like I've said to you. Like it's just there's no there's no value in that. What about if I if I post it up with Kieran sent to the Daily Mail? It's horrible. But again, they're people that you've had conflict with. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. I know. You spend all your time. Yeah. Right. Defending this shit. Yeah. Or you move on with your life. You have to move on with your life. You right. know, there's always going to be exactly. people that love you and people that hate you, exactly. no matter you what you do. do no matter that, what you do. It's like the first line I said on the show. Yeah. I'll be loved and yeah. I'll probably be hated. Yeah. Like people don't like, not everyone has taste. It's just right? we didn't realise it was going to sway so much toward the hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, they have, to, they have to have a villain for every season. We were season. hoping 50-50. We got like 90-10. <laughs> <laughs> they have to have a villain for every season. Maybe 95-5. One thing I will say okay, is... Okay, 99 Yeah. One thing I will say is that the guidance you've given me has been great is the fact that you can't spend all your time stewing on this. And now, if anything is quite bad, I'll just send it through to my lawyer. Like... I'd rather pay him a thousand bucks to mm. send a letter and mm. sleep at night mm. than be kept up wondering how this is going to turn out. And look, who knows? One day I might do a, um, an Instagram live or a TikTok live where I show all of the documents that prove that everything Sophie said was a lie. One day I might. One you day I might. You don't one need, day I might do an Instagram You don't need to do that. Like that's the thing. Like you just don't need to defend yourself against accusations that aren't true. No, but that's that's the problem though. Is like what like I care about the truth. You've seen it, right? But like, like I said to you, it only matters what we know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's it the hardest matter, thing. That's that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter though. what like people when, who don't care for you know or think on, they know. Yeah, no, I get that. But what I'm saying is, when you're on TV, you mm. have a profile now. Mm. All of these dickheads come out of the woodwork to try and tear you down. Like yeah. Tall poppy syndrome. They do it to every actress yeah. and, and look, actor some and people, celebrity some out people there. people on Facebook are out there with like shears and then people like Sophie and Bronte, well, they've got like fucking What did Kyle say to you when you went on Kyle and Jackie O show? Kyle said to you to just, you cannot care about what people say or think no, about you. No, what I'm saying is there are some people that when they come for you with this negative bullshit, they do a lot more damage than the general public. Mm. Right, like for for, for August now, mm. I I don't want to say anything bad 
matter about Sophie. I simply said facts that happened in our relationship and why it shaped me into the person that I was. You didn't mention Max. her name. You didn't no. mention your son's name. No. You didn't mention their location. No. You didn't say anything. All you said was you had come out of a relationship where the person had cheated. Yes. You didn't mention which relationship. Could have been no. a relationship. Could have been, could have been 10 years ago. Right. But it triggered Her a response. Enough. Yeah. And yeah. what she did, she did out of spine, anger. Out of spine, yeah. And I, I think she probably maybe regrets it, maybe partially regrets it. I, I don't know. She regrets it. She tried to get me, of all people, to help her take it down. Okay. Yeah. And look, it's 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 heartbreaking. I mean, for me as... Imagine, imagine slandering someone on a podcast and then asking for their help to get it taken down. Yeah. It's heartbreaking to do to hear that, and it's heartbreaking that 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 was done. And unfortunately, there is a, a parasite um, person that gave that platform, and somebody who thrives on trashy um, news items and gossip. That and that same person now is trying to talk to Shannon, who was on the show, yeah, ex, yeah, about a baby she's currently carrying. Mm. And the details around her pregnancy mm. to do with Shannon. Mm. The person that you're referring to is Megan Pacetta from So Dramatic. I don't know who and it is, but yeah, yeah, I just she is it's just, she is it's the just lowest ugly. flog in Australian media. Look, she's like, a woman. She's a woman making a living, darling, and people people sometimes no, I, have I, I horrible get, jobs, and that's yeah. to run. I get people have a business to yeah. run, but like, how many previous cast members have come out and said Megan slandered me? How many previous cast members are going to come the flavor out and say, of the flavor of her work? You know the flavor of what she does, and and it's just and the audience that she attracts are people that thrive on that kind of gossip. They're all, and nonsense. They're all like low IQ, yeah. angry people. Yeah, I've never I've never had any of her listeners come to me with anything beyond a vapid, mm. vacuous comment about mm. the show mm. or about about what they've heard on the podcast. And they take everything they hear on the podcast as gospel. Yeah. Yeah. But like actual do some critical thinking. Like, do you really think I just suddenly stopped paying Sophie the amount of child support we agreed to because August needed floaties? Mm. Like seriously, do some fucking like do do beyond a minute of thinking. Look, we're a family that looks after our family, and that little boy will always be provided for and looked after. I, I went and August a three thousand yeah. dollar motorbike. So I could ride Again, we park. don't need to justify anything. No, I'm not justifying. I'm just thinking like, like yeah. do you really think that I cared about 50 bucks? I know. I know. Like the fact that these That little boy think, will never go without anything. The fact that these people think mm. that what happens on that podcast mm. or actually is, is gospel is beyond for me. You, you heard an ex-partner basically just saying things to be spiteful because she was hurt. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah. So that's that's but what that thing was. is. I never said anything about Sophie that wasn't true, mm. and she's come out and said things that aren't true about me. Yeah. Same with Bronte. Like I've a lot of people anything. will bend and twist the truth to suit their argument, and that's just what people do. But I never said anything about Bronte that's not true. Mm. I've never said anything about Bronte that's not true. I never said. I've never made up a conversation that didn't happen like she has. I've never sex shamed her like she has. Mm. I've never, I've never, like, I could sit on this podcast and mm. give every gory detail about our relationship and mm. totally smash Bronte, mm. right? 
But what good would that do? None. I could sit on this None. podcast and give it. It would make it would actually make you look bad. Well, exactly, mm. and that's why she's looking bad now, mm. right? It's because I'm not stooping to that level. Yeah, she is. Yeah. I could go on this podcast and give every gory detail about my relationship with Sophie, mm. the other guy she slept with, all that stuff, mm. Mm. right? Mm. I could I could give the timeline. It wasn't two weeks. I can guarantee you that. Mm. I could mm. give all of those details. Mm. I could smash her. Mm. What good would it do? Mm. What good would it do to attack the mother of my child? Mm. Like the thing is, there's a big difference between there is a huge difference, in fact, in between saying what happened in a relationship and giving your version of events mm. and just talking about the facts. Mm. Right? There's a huge difference between that and actually having the intention to attack someone mm. and lying about it mm. in order to do it. Mm. Right? Like the truth needs to have its day, and the truth is far more entertaining. The, the, the yeah. fiction that people come up with to try and make the truth sound better, right? Like, yeah, yeah, she monkey branched me, mm. right? Mm. I went on her computer, sent an email, Instagram icon popped up, saw all the messages to her high school boyfriend, I have history. Yeah, she slept with him two weeks after we split up, but she was talking to him long before that happened. Yeah. She was lining him up while we were in a relationship. But as, as you know, nobody cheats out of a happy relationship. You That's know? And we've but always the, the spoken reason, about like, that. Exactly. So mm. now we go into why was that Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Working? And we don't want to. Like, we exactly. don't want to talk about exactly. that. That's your private. And I've always said to you, like, keep your private business private. Yes. No good will come of speaking which is why, about which it. Which is why I'm protecting the relationship I'm in now. Yeah. And I don't really want to go into details about, mm. you know, things other than the fact mm. that we're really happy and that mm. I do trust her. Mm. Because... I don't mm. want to tarnish mm. the relationship I have now with mm. all of the shit that's happened in the past, mm. right? Mm. But the thing is, I have been mistreated in relationships. That's why I have trust issues. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, in, I'm finally in a place where I feel comfortable enough to talk about that. Mm. You know, I've been in, I've, like, Bronte coming out with this domestic violence bullshit. Well, I'm comfortable enough to say I've been in a domestic that's violence. That's just ridiculous, though. I mean, it's like... like Okay, the things, that, the things that are being said. Just let me finish my point. Mm. Bronte coming out and saying that shit mm. affects me now because looking back in my relationship history, mm. I've been in a domestic violence relationship. Mm. Right? I've, I've had stuff happen where I've had to take out maybe on someone. Mm. Right? Like, mm. there's things that have happened in my life mm. that, I, that have led me to conclude the fact that mm. I've been quite unlucky in love mm. as much as I've yeah. been open to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I've been in relationships with people that, like, you know, it's funny. Melinda, of all people, mm. said to me, oh, if this doesn't work out with Bronte, you're fucked. And I was mm. like, what do you mean? And she goes, she's the type. She'll fight dirty. Oh, yeah. And I didn't really catch on to what she was talking about at the time, but the yeah. evidence is there now. Yeah. Like, I've, I've actually, mm. like, for her to claim mm. that I was ever mm. domestically abusive yeah, to yeah, her, yeah. It's right? a, it's a it's kick a below the belt. It's a complete disservice to actual victims. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's crossing a line. It's That's just not what you do. Does she not realise that that could affect my current relationship? Yeah, I know. I know. And, uh, I mean, the reality is that there's just no way in the world that the network would have put up with that sort of behaviour on set. They kicked people off that show for less. Yeah, I know. They sent, uh, they sent Caitlin... Which is why people with a brain would just know straight away that... That's, that's the beautiful thing. Fabricated. That's the beautiful thing. Is like it's 10%. Like, like, so dramatic listeners... Like, mm. the, the people that want that to be true mm. are the only people that mm. actually give a fuck. Yeah. Everyone else with half a very small percentage of the population. Bullshit. Exactly. Because the thing is, right, there's more evidence for the fact that I fat-shamed Bronte mm. 
than there is for these two bodyguards that had to walk her around wherever she went. Mm. She cared more about a comment I made where we were both, the, the actual conversation was that we were both letting ourselves go because of the filming schedule. Mm. had nothing to do with the fact that Bronte wasn't going to the gym or anything like that. I never mm. fat-shamed her. Mm. We actually had quite a jovial back-and-forth yeah. discussion. Yeah. We, we were both laughing about the fact that we'd lost our abs. Yeah. Right? Because when we yeah. came in, we both had abs. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So it was never fat-shamed to begin with. But the second thing was, she, there's more evidence for that conversation that happened Yeah. than there is for these fucking bodyguards. These supposed so, yeah, bodyguards. Yeah, these supposed producers or security personnel, yeah. whatever it happened to be, because she was fearing for her life or yeah, some yeah. shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's more evidence for a cupcake and a fucking and her mm. losing her abs mm. and her vanity mm. than there is for her in a domestic violence situation. So mm. I just feel like that it's the lack of evidence and the fact that people just roll their eyes mm. whenever she opens her mouth now. Mm. And in a sense, I've won. Mm. I lost the battle on maths, but I won mm. the war against Bronte, mm. like the war of credibility. Mm. And same with Sophie. Like, I think people will listen to this and mm. go, Here's a guy who spoke facts on mm. why his relationship didn't work out, mm. what what drove him to single life, mm. and what what was the direction coming into maths and why I was the way that I was. Mm. Here's a guy that's sticking to the facts, not throwing shade on someone. Mm. And then his ex has come out and just fucking thrown him through the mud mm. to try and make herself look better. Mm. And in, in retaliation to that, I'm gonna do the respectful thing and keep quiet. Mm. Like, yeah, there's details that I've kind of like gone into here. Mm. Mm. But I'm not giving, I'm not giving mm. oversharing, I'm not going, mm. I'm not giving evidence, mm. just talking about mm. it. Mm. And Sophie, Sophie knows if I ever released documents and screenshots and videos and all the stuff that I've got on her, like, she wouldn't be welcome back in the town she's in. Mm. You know what I mean? People mm. saw her true colours, what mm. she's put me through over the last couple of years. Mm. Which is the whole purpose of starting well, That's what people do in conflict, particularly in divorce. You know, and that's yeah, what children, you went through with like the suffer. Like, look, look at August now. They use now. them as weapons. Look at August now. Mm. He's being raised in a single mother household, mm. five hours away from his dad. Mm. Right? Anyone mm. that thinks that's acceptable or okay, they're mm. fucking lights. Mm. Or anyone that thinks that the onus. Well, ultimately, be... children with a two-parent family is ultimately is ultimately statistically the best. they do better in life yeah. than single mother households. Yeah. And anyone that thinks that the onus should be on one parent to make that relationship meaningful with mm. a child mm. is also out of their fucking lights. Mm. And anyone that's been supporting that that I've seen online, usually young single people without kids, anyone that's been through what I've been through in life sees the situation for what yeah. it really is and how tough it is. Yeah. And they're supportive of decent, both I think decent women that care about their children and mm. can put their children's needs above their own bitterness. Their own egos, yeah. Will make sure that the children, if the father is a decent human being, will make sure that the children have as much access to that man as possible. Well, so Sophie said something interesting in the podcast. She's like, Harrison can come and visit anytime he likes. Yeah. Mm. And they'll be held August from Harrison. Mm. Well, Sophie... It just happens car, to be five hours away. You went your car and drove him to a town where I have no friends or family. Yeah. Completely isolating him from his father. Yeah. And then you've got like, this open door policy. Well, that's great. Yeah. It costs me money to drive out there. I have mm. to stay. Mm. It costs mm. me money. Mm. I have to buy food and all this stuff. Mm. I've got no accommodation. Yeah. My time off work. Mm. I, I leave. But every every month when I drive out there to see my son, mm. I take a day off work to mm. do the driving. Yeah. Then I lose a day coming back. 
Yeah. Right? So like the, the financial burden mm. of making those trips to see yeah. August yeah. is so cumbersome. Yeah. And her sitting there pretending like this overbuilt policy somehow benefits him is a joke. Mm. How about how about living? Mm. Right? Like Sophie could have easily stayed in Sydney. Mm. Right? Mm. We made the decision to move together everywhere mm. we went. Mm. I I moved to Forbes to try and foster that relationship mm. because she was carrying my child at the time. Mm. Mm. I self-isolated myself in Forbes from my friends, my family, my career, everything I'd ever known love to be with Sophie. Mm. You know, and then that awful situation happened with the petrol where I ran out of fuel in my car and I borrowed some from a, something I shouldn't have taken it from just to get back to town and fill my car up. And there's a whole thing there. Which you returned. Yeah, I returned it. But like, yeah. obviously, taking it in the first place was wrong. What was I supposed to do? Walk 40 well, kilometers back to town? You, you told me that you looked around. I mean, you looked around for somebody to ask. There was nobody there. You borrowed you borrowed some fuel, a, a small tank of fuel to get you to a petrol station, which you then filled up and returned. Look, I shouldn't have, you know, I I mean, shouldn't have touched it because it belonged to the farm. It was outside the scope of our, like, our access, mm, right? Like, mm. we're building a property on the farm. The farm equipment's not, it's not mm. available to the mm. staff working on the property. Mm. And I should never have touched it. Mm. It didn't belong to us. Mm. It wasn't for me to use. Mm. Yes, I was desperate. Yes, I was in a place where I needed to get to town. Um, my mistake was doing that, right? And I returned it the next day. Yeah. But that's, that's not the point. The point is I shouldn't have accessed it, mm. right? But the whole reason I was in that position in the first place is mm. because I was out there. Mm. August had just been born. Mm. And the reason I was trying to work on that in the middle of nowhere on that property was because it was the only job for hundreds of miles. And mm. I was trying to make a relationship with Sophie work. Mm. Mm. Right? Like, so I think anyone in their right mind would forgive a guy for trying to make mm. a go of it in a new town with a newborn. You know, like, I, I was there purely for that relationship, nothing else. Yeah. And when we went to Shell Cove, Sophie never really unpacked her bags, mm. like mentally. Mm. She never did the same thing. Mm. She never found a new job. She never contributed anything to the relationship. Mm. She never paid any bills. Again, it was a relationship that was only meant for a certain period of time because they're two mismatched yeah, well, people. They, look, I don't you regret weren't, it. They weren't, you weren't the right match. I don't regret it. Yeah. It led me to where I am in life exactly. now. Exactly. Right? But again, yeah. like... This idea, this notion that she has some open door policy and that she's not, mm. she's never taken August away from him. Well, we lived there for more than six months mm. in Shell Cove. Mm. That was our fixed address. That was our mm. family home. Mm. August took his first steps in that mm. house. Mm. Mm. Right? That was an established place, a residence for us to live with our son. Yeah. Her deciding to take August from that house and bring him to Forbes, mm. right, to live with her and her family. Mm. That is taking a child away from its father. Yeah. So trying to pretend like that didn't happen is absurd. Mm. And then trying to pretend like, oh, I've got this open door policy and he can visit whenever he likes. Mm. It's like, well, can I? Great. I can drive five hours in the middle of nowhere to visit my son. Thanks for that. Yeah. What, a, what, a, what a great you yeah. know, policy that is. I think generally speaking, men are disadvantaged in divorce when children are involved. Well, I'm, I'm about to have a guest uh, tomorrow night who's you know, going to tell one hell of a story about mm. disadvantaged mm. In, the, in the court system. Mm. Um, two special needs kids mm. left on the side of the road. His wife just mm. dumped them, or ex, mm. ex-partner just dumped them on the side of the road and then got picked them up. Mm. 
and now he's um, struggling through. Women that have children don't really go homeless. Like the government has, you know, plans in place and, and, and um, opportunities for single mothers with children. Mm. They get found a, a place to live mm. very quickly. Mm. This, this guy, on the other hand, um, not so lucky. Mm. Um, mm. Taking months in and out of hotels, things like that. So um, I think it's going to be great to see these stories be heard and well, you, no one else is you doing know, it. and you providing a platform for people to to tell their story and well, that, that, it's relatable the to a lot of people. Is that like, to your point, is that mm. women are actually incentivized mm. to leave a relationship. Mm. They have um, they have a fallback within the government system where you know the, the housing is provided, um, you know wages are provided by Centrelink. Um, you know the, the children are put in you know school and, and provided for. Like women are actually incentivized to leave relationships financially. Mm. Men are heavily disadvantaged by that system. Mm. Heavily disadvantaged by that system. Mm. And it's really sad. Mm. And I saw it in my own relationship. Mm. The, the first thing Sophie did was put her hand out for money mm. after mm. after we split. Mm. She goes back into a free house that her parents mm. bought her, driving around in a car her parents bought her, mm. working in a business her parents paid for, mm. putting her hand out for money from me. Mm. Which I'm, I'm happy to provide. Like, it mm. goes to August. It's not mm. an issue. Mm. But I just think her trying to pretend like she... You know, mm. she was heavily incentivized by her family to leave that relationship. That's mm. the core reason why it didn't work out. And you were heavily encouraged by your family to stay in that relationship and make it work. Correct. Mm. And it, it breaks my fucking heart to hear her speak about our relationship mm. the way she does, mm. where mm. I feel like I've bent over backwards and broke myself in half to mm. make that relationship work. Mm. All the while, like she was, she used the fact that I was struggling and worked for someone I shouldn't have worked for mm. as an excuse to leave me. Mm. Oh, who am I with? Sophie, you look the guy who's keeping the fucking roof over your head. Well, again, it's being with a partner that doesn't back you. You know, no. you need you need to be with a partner no. who backs you and supports you. Yes. And who is just there as as your your equal, your support. You need that support from your partner. I've never felt... You don't have support. I've never felt more supported mm. than the relationship I'm in now. Which is fantastic. Which is why it's it's just so different, so unique, and and already set up for success. Like, and will be successful. We're, we're now making plans. We're, we're, we're travelling three times this year and then planning a trip to Europe next year. Mm. And I just never had that in any of mm. my previous relationships. Mm. Like all of the all of the women I've had in previous relationships were never goal orientated. Mm. They were never like, mm. let's set this goal mm. and then work towards it together to achieve it. Well, the Just relationships that the relationships that don't work are to teach you what doesn't work and what you do. Exactly want. why I value it in this yeah. relationship. Yeah. It's exactly why I value mm. what I have now. Yeah. It's because I realized yeah. I realized yeah. what the what the other side of the coin is. What like. was missing? Yeah. yeah. And the other side of the coin was like me always creating the plans, me always financing everything. Mm. I don't have that issue now. And the important thing, I think, looking back, is to not harbour resentment toward your ex-partners well, and to thing. just just love them and, and move on. Well, that's just the thing. Like, bless them, love them, move on. I don't on. resent Sophie, like mm. even for what she's put me through. It's mm. like, 
the problem, and I've said this to you many times, it's like I get to the point where I've forgiven her. Yeah. And then she'll do something else to get yeah. in between me and August. Yeah. Right? Like, um, oh, the, the, the one off the top of my head, just for example, was when um, COVID was happening and, you know, they were shutting down parts of Sydney or wherever. And um, it was Sophie's turn to drive down because, you know, once a month we did a swap. And um, she was saying, um, oh, I don't, don't want to come to Sydney. Um, well, I, can't, I can't stay in Sydney because, um, you know, of COVID. And I said, well, if you bring August down this weekend, it's just her weekend to drive down. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll get you a five-star hotel uh, anywhere you like. I'll pay for it for the weekend to bring my son down. And um, she's like, okay. So I, I paid for the hotel room, sent her the booking, and last minute pulled out, said, I'm not, I'm not doing it, I'll, I'll meet you halfway. Mm. At the time, like that, that seemed quite reasonable, but at the time, a halfway meant that I had to take a day off work, a half a day off work to drive mm. out halfway. Mm. Then, so that's still five hours driving, halfway to halfway back. Yeah. Then I also now I'm out of pocket for a hotel. Mm. And the thing is, when you book a hotel you, mm. and you try and cancel the booking, mm. they don't refund your money, they mm. keep a portion of it. Mm. So now I'm down hundreds of dollars mm. out of, I think it was like 1,500 bucks or something mm. to book the hotel room, mm. just off the top of my head, mm. don't quite know what mm. it was something like mm. that. Mm. And then um, now I'm down hundreds of dollars mm. and a half day off work, so it's mm. cost me potentially a thousand bucks now mm. to meet you halfway when mm. the deal is. Mm. And the original deal, this is the thing that people say, oh, you know, um, you know, you shouldn't share the driving or whatever. The original deal was that I would drive to Orange twice a month. Me, so Sophie would only have to drive an hour. Mm. I drive four hours. I met mm. her in Orange. Mm. So I loved it. I loved Orange. I love Orange the town. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. Heaps of things for August to do. Shops there. Could take you to the park. There's this huge, there's a big um, play park in Orange. Mm. August loves it. Mm. Right? I, I like Orange. It's neutral ground for both of us. Mm. Big enough little town that I sort of don't feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere and, you know, duck down to boost juice or, you know, duck down to shops. I love it there. Mm. The one that changed the agreement was Sophie, mm. you know? And Sophie was getting paid double the, the required amount of child support. The one who went to child support was Sophie. Had threatened me with, with money. And then when I went through the legal channels, then she tried to say, oh, I'm not bringing August to see you anymore. Mm. Like, I just... Yeah, I'm just so over being mistreated in mm. relationships. And, um, you know, I, I got that. I got the same thing with Bronte and her relationship. Her and her sister were just, at times, unbearable. Mm. And it was really unfair, mm. you know. And I just, yeah, I really struggled with that. I really struggled with um, the relationships I've been through and, and how I've been really kind of abused by mm. women in the past. Mm. And mm. so I value what I have now. Mm. And I'm going to mm. really nurture it and love it yeah. with both hands and yeah, yeah. make a real yeah. goal of it because I know yeah. I know what's waiting for me on the other side if it, if mm. it fails mm. and I don't want to I don't want to be with these duds anymore mm. you know I've, done, I've mm. been there and done that mm. I've been with women with no ambition I've been mm. with women that put their hand out for everything mm. I've been with women that don't make goals don't have any real direction in life they're just mm. sort of like getting mm. through mm. you know women that are codependent on their families like I just don't I don't want to be with these people mm. they're not they're not mature they're mm. not they're not good enough mm. anymore. Mm. You know, mm. once you've been with better, you want better. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that's fair enough. And that's that's what process we all go through. Mm. You know, otherwise we'd... Um...
if past partners were the right partners, would still be with them. Mm. Yeah. Any um, any final thoughts? I think um, it's just important. I think with everything to just be as loving as possible. And that's one thing, you know, I don't really like talking about um, your past partners and particularly the, the mother of my grandchild. But I will say one thing, and that is that no matter what happens and no matter what gets said or no matter how things go, I will always love her. She'll always have a place in my heart because she is the mother of my grandchild and she's the mother of your child. And I know that she that she will always have a place in your heart as well. Yeah, and quite uh, often I was going to say yeah. like I'll always yeah. love Sophie. Yeah, and that's that's you know Bronte can say whatever she likes. Mm. Sophie hurt me the most. Yeah, what she was saying about her relationship. Yeah, of course. Of like course. I, I, I would like that, listening that one... to that. Listening to that for me was one of the most depressing things mm. I've ever had to sit through. Why? Because I know that a lot of it wasn't accurate, mm-hmm. and um, and I, and also just I just felt like it was um, you know just even even our conversation talking about it it's just it just you come away from it just not feeling good. I felt you know? really flat listening to it. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and just really um, like hurt by her again. Mm. You know, just the lying. That's mm. the thing. Like mm. you know, just just tell the truth. Like just. Just say it how it is. Mm. Like anyone in their right mind knew it was bullshit, mm. right? Like, like I'm gonna, like I'm gonna go back off our agreement to do with child support because of some floaties. Are cool. Mm. Like that story doesn't even make sense. But I think that's the thing is like people just sort of cherry pick out of the facts. Oh, I'm cherry picking now. What suits you? Said, you know? know what I mean? Yeah. But the thing is, um, the thing is, like at least I know what happened. Mm. And I've got all of the documents. The thing is, like, you don't have to convince anybody who you are. You have to know who you are. Well, that's the the hard thing. It's like, imagine if a group of people had the wrong impression of you. How hard would it be to not set the record straight when you have the evidence? I think the thing that's hard and probably why you want to defend yourself a lot as well is because... Like in that situation when you went to the Royal Easter show and you and Dan were screamed at by somebody in the public. Oh, that wasn't Dan. That wasn't actually that many. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. So even just that situation, you know, I mean, it's just... I was stood next to Dan when it happened. It's unfair. It's It's unfair that people out there don't know you, don't know the cast and just form opinions... To the point where they become so resolved in it that it actually really triggers an emotional response in them. And that's that's really frightening to think that that actually happens, that there's people out there whose lives are so small that they invest so much energy into something like that. That I find that really quite worrying for our society, for people in our society. I think that they must be very lonely as well, which I think is really sad. Well, that woman was lonely. She had four kids around her husband. <laughs> yeah, but you can still you can be lonely. you can be lonely in a group of people. <laughs> yeah, you know I what think, I mean. I think they're just look that woman. Um, 
it was really the epitome of what I talk about when I talk about the type of people that believe in reality TV. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, she was actually the human embodiment of everything that I would imagine. They don't th- think troll. critically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would, would would look like. Yeah. Like, yeah. Picture an internet troll, and then you're probably on the money for what this yeah, okay. woman appeared to, to yeah. be. Yeah. And just really, um, kind of a redneck. Like, mm. who, mm. who in front of four children starts using the c the word? The c word, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. In front of her own kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And to someone she doesn't even know. Like, yeah, I know. Exactly I know. You said. I know. I know. And, I just, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, the, the, the fact that there's people out there that are like that, I find really quite concerning. Mm. And the show, and that sh- that shows like that are targeting those people and generating that sort of response. I find that really quite sad. And then, obviously, yeah, when people that we know and love go out and do things like that do interviews and write letters in and well yeah, I, that's funny I had, disappointing. Olivia, I had Olivia from season 9 with me the other night and um, one thing we finished on was you know if you want to get through to us as people say something positive like yeah. I remember all the positive things yeah of course I don't remember any of the negative stuff yeah same like so many people have written some beautiful things to me about you and about us and about my parenting and everything it's there's been some amazing and and really beautiful people reach out i'm so grateful for that because they're the people that just give me hope for humanity probably a good note to end on yeah i think so let's go get a steak let's go get dinner (laughs) okay even on a budget quality is non-negotiable That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.